That's enough. We dude. did it. And we reached the end of the Twilight Saga. What is that? So my copy came with a poster, some weird Edward and Bella in anime form. Yeah, some anime Bella and Edward. And it's just on the inside of the cover. Damn, I didn't have any of that. I guess mine was published way later. Listeners, it's the same thing. We're doing Little Brown, same type of deal. Mine was just published like, you know, like what, 15 years after Sophie's version? Oh, and it came with a CD? Yeah, man, mine came with a CD that what? I guess I've never pulled out. What track? Oh, I think it's a DVD. Oh, a, it's DVD? a DVD? Yeah, I have no means to use this. What's it a DVD but, of? Because it was pre-movie, um, right? With Stephanie Meyer and Justin Furstenfeld. Which I think is maybe the guy from Blue October because there's also a bunch of Blue October lyrics in the back of this book. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Is that from that interview where there's like the concert series? No, that's... Well, well yeah, there's also the interview, but the interview comes before the lyrics. After there's like this interview and then it just says Breaking Dawn concert series songbook songs performed by blue october's justin Furstenfeld at the nokia center in new york city on august 1st 2008 2008 dude that was right when this dropped right yeah 2008 was when the final the breaking dawn dropped big fat final book oh yeah damn they have they have their own website the twilightsaga.com well here we are we got the end of it this was um we didn't plan on this so we readjusted our schedule listeners but uh was it worth it <laughs> was it uh worth us reading all of the twilight saga i told sophie this like when we finished like i when i finished the second movie like the breaking dawn part two and the credits were rolling i was just like like I just had like this like this like relief come over me. I was like, oh, it's over. Like <laughs> this is what we do for our listeners. We suffer for them. All all three of them. Heavy. Bored. Heavy. I am heavy, heavy, heavy bored. less of a hard time with the second movie oh i want to get to that because i like the second movie better too out of the two but uh, first things first first things first this is heavy board my name's andrew Whitstadt. and i'm pro child brides <laughs> and today we're doing the final big hulking book in the twilight saga breaking dawn by stephanie meyer and the formality's over. All right. First things first, thoughts. 
Initial thoughts. Um, likes, dislikes. It's my favorite pro-life story. <laughs> pro-life story. I um, really enjoyed about 300 pages of this book. Oh, well, yeah. okay. I kind of enjoyed about 300 pages of this book. But that said, there are like 400 other pages that I did not enjoy. That I found very difficult to get through. Yeah. It, yeah, it's my favorite pro-abstinence, pro-life um, fantasy novel I've ever read. It's also the only one I've ever read to my knowledge. Um, there's so much wrong with it, including some of the stuff that I really enjoyed. Um, very taboo for a teen romance, in my opinion. Taboo? Yeah. Yeah. I want to touch on the, the bad stuff, but I imagine we'll get there. Um, yeah, my thoughts was, I mean, the same as all the other ones. Like, these books were struggles for me. Although, I'll say this is the best book in the entire series by far. Um... But only for I'm about three hundred. Yeah, only for about three hundred pages because this book is like eight hundred pages. And because uh, the only reason why the other books like have a story at all is because of the like Ed and Bella tension <coughs> of will they, won't they? I don't know. Like be physical or whatever it is. And in this one, it was just like there was no more like Jacob, Bella, Ed triangle there's no weird tension about ed and bella getting together there's like there's no i don't know there's no real romantic thrill for it being like a romance novel it picks back up a little bit at the end but there's like a good chunk of the story where it feels like instead of being a romance novel it should become like something more gruesome Right. But it kind of just doesn't. Yeah, and we've said that every episode. I mean, every time there's like a big scene, Meyer does this and her work is just... The big scene that's supposed to carry this weight just doesn't, so it's always disappointing. But I guess the, say, the reason I say that this is the best book in the series is just because all the storylines are being tied up, even the ones that are tied up poorly. So And it moves. I would say this is better paced for the first half um, than all the other ones because like it's just you know the conclusions are happening and they're boom 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 like it's just like okay okay so I read through very very quickly I think I read this whole book in like four days I read the first half very quickly and then I spent like a week trying to get through the second half those last 300 pages yeah that gave me a really hard time down to like the last five pages I was still struggling Dude, those last 300 pages are rough to get through. Yeah, like it is, it is. We'll get to that because I want to talk about how, where I think this book actually ends and then where it ends. <laughs> and then yeah. it like, drags on for like another 350 pages. But, you know, we've talked about this every episode. Meyer is kind of an amateur, right? Like she'd never really written much before this, blah, blah, blah. Although in that interview, show, Sophie sent me that she does call herself a storyteller um, mm. before she was a quote-unquote writer. Um, yeah, this is 
Whatever, I don't need to get into that. Alright, so initial thoughts. Let's hit the text. This Malay quote, dude. Yeah, we got an Edna St. Vincent Malay quote up front. Whoops. Dropping shit. Which, I was kind of like, hmm, alright, you know. I wrote in my notes, I was like, oh shit. She's putting a Malay quote in this? So what, we went from the Book of Genesis to Romeo and Juliet to Frost to Edna St. Vincent Malay. Yeah. She's um, busting out the literary icons here. Yeah, which frankly I have no feelings about. Yeah, it honestly... Uh, Alright, let's read the quote. Childhood is not, from the, is not from birth to a certain age, and at a certain age the child is grown and puts away childish things. Childhood is the kingdom where nobody dies. And this one, this particular quote, it might be the one quote where it doesn't really come back up much in this book. Whereas in the last three books, uh, Meyer kind of used the kind of quote in the front to uses theme, foreshadowing, nod, whatever, you know, normally when you put a quote in the middle of beginning of a novel, it's kind of a nod, maybe some type of nod to the themes, the foreshadowing, whatever you want to do, inspiration. The fact whatever. that everyone is immortal. Yeah. Childhood is the kingdom where nobody dies. But these vampires are very mature. <laughs> but yeah, that's all in the lay quotes. So we got two poets in this whole series, dude. Two poets in the beginning. Shit. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't Tennyson come up in here? Uh, Yeah, because she reads Tennyson to the baby in her womb. Because she likes the rhythm or whatever. That's like a thing, which has kind of been, you know, little little nods like that have been spaced out throughout the entire series, right? Like little nods to Wuthering Heights or Romeo and Juliet or, or yeah. She reads. Reading. Yeah. <laughs> Bella's a little bookish nerd, right? And not that lame stuff either. Yeah. The classics. She reads difficult works. Difficult classical works. Although I have been thinking of, yeah, like a lot of the kind of 19th century novelists maybe some of the best novelists that ever lived uh kind of hard to compare with them but all right chapter where do one. you want to begin uh, the first all right so right away in this chapter we get like the chapter one ends with bella uh desperate for sex right <laughs> yeah like, uh... we're finally getting the fucking or like desperate for fucking well, we were, yeah, we were already getting that one, that in the last one, right? That was like her whole, that was like half the motivation for her accepting an engagement. I want to fuck. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and we know they're getting married because that's already been established in the previous three novels. So in the very beginning of this one, it's kind of like wedding prep, right? Like they're like... Oh, the occasion's upon us. We have to get everything ready. We have to... You can't see the bride, blah, blah, right? The real traditional shit. Uh, but which... Bella doesn't have to do anything because she doesn't actually want a wedding. <laughs> Alice has decided that she's doing everything. Oh, God. I didn't even think about that, dude. The fact that Bella doesn't want a wedding. Until all of a sudden she does when it's mm -hmm. happening. 
because she didn't have to plan anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, uh... She didn't want it until she wanted it. Maybe accurate for a teenage girl or a younger woman. Everyone is, um, talking shit, gossiping, saying that Bella's probably pregnant, and that's why they're getting married. Oh, right, right, right. And Bella has a car that is given the name the Mercedes Guardian, which I learned from the interview is not a real car. Yeah. Clever, Stephanie. Yeah, and then the whole thing is Edward gives her this car that's been like bulletproof glass and like siding, like basically the type of like outfitting you would give to like Fords or whatever when they drive like politicians around or something or like military, yeah. you know, like at embassies or whatever would they have like GMCs, but all the GMCs are outfitted with like bulletproof glass and like all the shit that would protect important people that would, I guess, have assassination attempts or something on them or try to be blown up in a car bomb or something. So he buys her this, like, militarized Mercedes <laughs> that, like, could survive a bomb if it was planted under the road or something. Uh, at least keep the people from dying inside. Not that the car would survive. But yeah, the first chapter ends with Bella basically desperate for sex. And this is, as Sophie mentioned, like, we kind of get the end of the love triangle in these for, in this book right away. The love triangle's kind of, that drama's over, and then we well, get the marriage. Well, it's not quite over because... Jake is like on the run now. Well, he's not like on the run, but he's like right. away. He's like living his best wolf life because he can't handle that Bella's getting married. Right. Speak an hour forever hold your peace. If anyone sees a reason why these two shall not wed. Speak And the now. wedding takes a long, long, long time. Alright, so Bella's begging to be fucked by Edward at the end of chapter one. And then in chapter two, we have Edward being a little bitch about fucking. Like, he doesn't want to. Yeah, it gets kind of hot and heavy. Dude, page 26, right? So this is... this is Go Bella. back a page. Okay. Go back a page. 25? Because that's where it starts, but yeah. Um, Edward had spent most of his life rejecting any kind of physical gratification. I was like, Annie? Really? <laughs> like, do vampires not need to bust a load every now and again? Is that not a thing? I'm just as a curiosity. I guess not, dude. I mean, considering that these vampires... Also, did he get to 17 and, like, not once? 17-year-old <laughs> boy, never jerked it. It would be too violent, dude. He would hurt himself, I guess. He would break off that marble. I mean, before he was a... <laughs> he would break off his marble dick. Yeah. No, I'm just, I mean, while he was, like, human. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess there's that... I mean, you would, like... I mean, we all pretend that, right? We pretend that, like, during, like... Like, when, when was Edward supposed to be, like, kind of alive at the end of the Victorian era? So, like, maybe... Yeah. But, you know, that's all a lie, right? I mean, people were still fucking and, like, going to whorehouses. They just couldn't do it publicly or talk about it. But, yeah. <clears throat> then we get some heavy foreshadowing. Yeah. At the at bottom of page 25, Bella, Wait, I said, gripping his shoulders and hugging myself close to him. I kicked one leg free and wrapped it around his waist. Practice makes perfect. 
<laughs> he chuckled. Well, we should be fairly close to perfection by this point then, shouldn't we? Have you slept at all in the last month? Blah, blah, blah. And then on page 26, uh, I thought over my words, realized what he would have heard in them. Bella, he whispered. Don't start this again, I said. A deal's a deal. I don't know. It's too hard to concentrate when you're with me like this. I I can't think straight. I won't be able to control myself. You'll get hurt. I'll be fine. Bella. Shh. I pressed my lips to his to stop his panic attack. I'd heard it before. He wasn't getting out of this deal. Not after insisting I marry him first. Insisting you marry him first. Yeah, so and this is... They're getting married <laughs> so they can fuck. <laughs> But so that she can be pure, you know? But not at Bella's insistence, at Edward's right. insistence. He's he's worried that if she has sex... Well, and this is the thing, like, he keeps being like, it's dangerous, but then it's also like, but once we're married, it's okay. And there was that line married. last time about, like, I'm concerned for your soul, basically. Right. So this is all just like, I don't know, him, him making sure that she doesn't go to hell <laughs> for having sex with a 100-year-old vampire. Yeah, pre-marriage, pre-marital. after marriage. Yeah. yeah. After marriage, it's all good. You can giggle about being bruised up, dude. Like that. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. But. And then Edward gets baby fever. It's like, yeah, well, Charlie was imagining that you were probably pregnant and that's why we're getting married. So they like talk about when they told Charlie that they were engaged and um, Charlie was thinking like, oh are you pregnant? And she was like, fucking no. And now Ed's all like, I wish he was right. Yeah. And this goes, I mean, we're going to talk about Give this. The whole, yeah. Like the whole novel will say this, but like, we've been saying this all three episodes when we've been doing this, this is the fourth now, you know, Charlie is misused. A lot of the characters are underutilized in this, particularly Jacob for being one of the main characters. But Charlie especially is just such a shell that is like brought out whenever it's convenient or needed and then he just kind of disappears again there's no tension there's no hiccup or anything like that that's caused by her dad who doesn't understand who is also you know the chief of police in the town um yeah which is weird because he has more like i don't know he seems more solid to me than like edward or bella who just right. really do seem like shells, like they're just sort of placeholders for a fantasy. Yeah. I just mean in terms of like when they try to, and you know, we'll talk about this when they reveal to Charlie towards the end of the novel here about the kind of fantasy animals and creatures. Just, you know, we said this every episode, tends to misuse these opportunities to create real serious tension and drama for a reader and just they tend to fall flat and charlie is just always falling flat like his objections should cause drama but they never do it's always just fine <laughs> and like he just needs to talk to jacob and he's fine uh but yeah that's gonna keep coming back up so yeah edward doesn't want to fuck he's being a little bitch about it 
or I guess in this in this fantasy world, he's being a gentleman about it. Yeah. And we which, get, like, in real life, we would just be like, "Dude, what's wrong with you?" Yeah. And we get a little bit of foreshadowing with like a demon baby dream that Bella has, right? Yeah, we get that quite a bit. So we get the pregnancy foreshadowing. She's having dreams like she did in the second book where she's like scared of getting old. But this time it's about like a demon child killing everyone she loves. Like a vampire baby. Yeah, so they get married. And I wanted to talk about the wedding. Like we get like oh, we get the description, right? Chapter three is the big day. Is what it's yeah. called. And that's, you know, wedding day is what we always call it, whatever. Uh, my question was, is the wedding fan service? Oh, just like for the fans? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I assume this is like supposed to be like part of this girlish fantasy where <coughs> like, I don't know, because Stephanie Meyer spends a lot of time like describing the smells like the floral scents and the decorations and you know making it like this perfect thing that weddings are not yeah uh i mean let's be fair it's a real fantasy right most most i mean maybe not i mean most young women will have some type of fantasy of the wedding Usually sure. from from a very young age, even right, like you start fantasizing about that and what'll it be, what do you want, what kind of flowers, colors, all that, right? So there's he that. He doesn't and have the it, same pull as the romantic rush. Right. Yeah. The romantic rush. Even though this is, and I guess you, I mean this is the concluding book, right? So it's kind of like the conclusion yeah. to the romantic rush is well, you can't, you know, you made the romantic love life between these two, you know, married now, the kind of this. You know the the agreement between two people, right? Blah blah blah. But yeah, so I was like, all right. As I was reading the wedding, I was a little bit bored because one, weddings don't interest. I mean, I like weddings. I like going to weddings and like dancing and getting drunk and like like all that and like you know clapping and and being emotional when everybody's giving speeches and like that's a fun time, right? And then my wife and I go and dance, blah blah blah. But like. It just wasn't like for me reading this whole chapter on the wedding was uh, kind of a slaw. <laughs> it was kind of like a. It, was, it felt very long for me. It was long, and that's why I was like fan service. And you can see this in the movie too, right? In Breaking Dawn Part One, they extend the wedding scene for like twenty minutes. Like it's, it's like so long, very long, and it's, it's not. It's, yeah, it feels yeah. way too long. Same writer, same writer wrote all five movies, Melissa Rosenberg, so we've been talking about that. So she, and I understand why she Was drew it, it out. Was it the same director the whole time? Same director for the last two, but I think they had a different director every movie. But the okay. last two were filmed together and all that, so it makes sense to have the same director. Okay. But yeah, we have that wedding, it feels like kind of bullshit, um... His perfect face was almost severe with the depth of his emotion. Ugh. And at the wedding, we, <laughs> at the wedding, we get Jacob's blow up. Oh, you didn't like the part where Edward holds out his hand and Charlie took my hand and 
in a symbol as old as the world placed it in Edwards. What page is that? 49. Top of 49. In a symbol as old as the world. <laughs> what clock are we running on? Uh, well, right, we're in the year 2022 yeah, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So 2,000 years <laughs> since Christianity dominated the world. Uh, I would imagine. I saw just how silly I'd been for fearing this. As if it were an unwanted birthday gift or an embarrassing exhibition like the prom. Yeah. So she's all pumped now to be married. And then, yeah, we get Jacob. He shows up. And we get, yeah, it goes into the next chapter. So we have like two chapters of wedding. Wedding and then reception is the following chapter. Uh, and that's when Jacob shows up. He'd been missing for a long time, blah, blah, blah. And then we have this little bit of like a blow up. Like, <clears throat> Jacob gets like mad at the same oh, he thing. He gets super mad. At the but same he gets thing he's been mad particular. at. Yeah. No, 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 no. But like this is special because he gets mad that they're going to try to fuck while she's human. <laughs> like that specifically what he's bothered by he's like it's dangerous it's disgusting He'll break you <laughs> uh yeah and then like page like so he shows up and it's like really like bella's all happy because again she's trying to have her cake and eat it too and uh eventually gets that. I mean, that's the ending of the story. But, uh, so Jacob's pissed at that, and then the thing I pointed out, page 65 was the one that stuck out to me in terms of them blowing up, and this is like, like, so he said him getting mad, uh, uh, what's the holdup, right? And then she says, I just didn't want to spend my honeymoon writhing in pain. He's like, you'd rather spend it how? Playing checkers? Ha ha. Very funny. Kidding, Bells. But honestly, I don't see the point. You can't have a real honeymoon with your vampire, so why go through the motions? Call a spade a spade. This isn't the first time you put this off. That's a good thing, though, he said, suddenly earnest. Don't be embarrassed about it. I'm not putting anything off, I snapped. And yes, I can have a real honeymoon. I can do anything I want, but out. He stopped our slow circling abruptly, because they're dancing, listeners, remember. For a moment, I wondered if I'd finally noticed the music change, and I scrambled in my head for a way to patch up our little tiff before he said goodbye to me. We shouldn't part on this note. And then his eyes bulged wide with a strange kind of confused horror. What? he gasped. What did you say? About what? Jake, what's wrong? What do you mean, have a real honeymoon, while you're still human? Are you kidding? That's a sick joke, Bella. His enormous hands gripped the tops of my arms, wrapping all the way around, fingers overlapping. Yeah, so... <laughs> so Jacob's all happy for her getting married, blah, 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 but not about them fucking. But it was good that they were going to put it off because, you know... For as long as she's not a vampire, they won't be fucking. Is that what he was saying? It's a good uh, thing. <laughs> that's this was my thing, right? And this is why I asked, like, so like Jacob blowing up at the wedding is like I don't believe it. It's not enough. 
Just like everything else that happens in this series, there's really yeah, not enough. Yeah, because now you're picturing Taylor Lautner, and there's nothing realistic about him having a fit of anger. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I just didn't. It seemed so out of place. And when you think about all that Jacob's been put through by like loving Bella, kind of thing. And we've talked about this on all the episodes that Jacob's written kind of with the most sympathy out of all of the the characters in the love triangle. He's Meyer clearly gives him the most kind of sympathy for you to like be like. Yeah, I think he's maybe one of the best characters in the book. Yeah, like the most well written and developed kind of character. But uh, and you know that's not saying much compared to everything yeah. else in this book. But still, uh, my question here was why does the wedding feel like the end of something? Because I did feel like it was like the end of something. Of excitement? Yeah, could be. Although, I say Jacob's section in here, like 250 pages in here, is the most exciting thing in all four novels. It feels like the end of feeling excited about Ed and Bella's relationship. Right. That's what it felt like to me. And it is the end of something, right? I guess it's the end of that, right? It's like, well, it's happening. And right. it's like you're sort of, you know, moving very quickly toward, you know, what the predetermined ending is going to be, which we all know that she's like, you know, they've set a date for her to become a vampire. Right. So it's like Bella's getting everything she wants now. There aren't oh, a whole yeah. lot of questions left on the table. There's not a lot of will they, won't they left on the table. Like. It feels like the end of having any questions about what's going to happen next. Yeah. Like there's nothing left. Yeah. Because this is a romance novel and not like an exciting, you know, this is how my dad found out that there were werewolves and I became a vampire and I had to like hide from my dad and slowly break it to him and like... You know, I don't know whatever the fuck else, but it was like supposed to be a romance novel and like you can only, I don't know, thrive on that vibe for so long, I guess. Yeah. Like once you hit the sort of happy, like happy ever after, it kind of. Yeah. And the speeches at the wedding, dude, in the movie. Oh, oh in the movie. I was like, oh, my God, there are speeches. Oh, my God, everyone's an asshole. Yeah, and they weren't funny. And, oh, my God, why do you have the friend you hate speak at your wedding? Uh, The wedding speeches, I was just like, oh, my God. It was just to add levity to what was otherwise, like, going to be a very, very boring movie. Like, I think they were just trying to add shit to make it less boring than it was and, and draw failed. out that runtime yeah i was just like man these speeches just oh god but anyway whatever you draw this out it was like a little montage of speeches that really are dated and corny and, and are, uh, i mean i that's one thing i can't stand at weddings anyway like when i go if people get up there and start making like dumb jokes or like quips or uh, it just drives me crazy when people do that. I don't know. It just gets under my skin. And I get people are nervous about making speeches or whatever in front of people. But 
Ugh. I'm not a wedding don't, guy. Don't lean on the easy humor to ease your anxiety about it because it always just comes off a little inappropriate or a little like, uh, I don't know. That's not even mentioning the fact, you know, how many weddings I've seen where like whoever's supposed to be giving the speech is just hammered by that point. And it's, you know, that's a different thing too, but yeah. All right. Should we get to the fucking scene? <laughs> <laughs> I'll Esme. <laughs> oh, so God. again, Bella doesn't know anything about what's happening. Her uh, honeymoon has been selected and handled for her. And they show up to an island somewhere. Where is it? Like off it's the off coast, coast of, of Brazil. America. Yeah. Coast of Brazil. So the kind of east coast of South America there. Yeah. Uh, private island they make it blah, blah blah private island whatever vampires are always wealthy blah blah so like all right the, the scene where they fuck they, right they accumulate wealth well yeah well if you're alive for hundreds of years you better you're doing something wrong yeah uh they fuck right and 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 it was kind of a disappointing fuck scene for three novels worth like 1500 pages worth of leading yeah, up to this there's no real scene yeah so the thing, all right, so I marked page 87, kind of that middle paragraph. Oh, I <laughs> I started right naked at the top of pages when she was, like, taking her clothes off. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> She's getting naked. Um, they wrote, There's this whole scene about Bella trying to figure out what kind of lingerie she should be wearing. Um, and this is all very difficult for her to figure out, and she feels overwhelmed. I assume this is written just for young females again. <sighs> and because she's not like other girls, she's like, whatever. I'm just going to go out in a towel. Oh, yeah, the getting naked in the ocean on the private island. Now, that is sexy. Like that, That's, that's yeah, a that sexy was... trope. You're on a private island where is. you can just be nude on the beach because it's like private, blah, blah, blah. And after so beach. many times of trying of like trying to rip her clothes off and take his clothes off, she's now afraid of getting naked, which I'm not going to knock because that's, you know, fair. That's true for everybody, dude. It's not like, yeah, like everybody's going to be when you're when you're seeing somebody naked for the first time, usually to about to have sex with them. Right. That's usually the circumstance where you see somebody that you're interested in naked. And it's like, it's just an awkward thing, right? Like, it's just, it's like, it's so vulnerable that everybody feels awkward in the situation. It's hard to, uh, you know. But the way that it's written, it could have been way sexier, considering this is a romance novel. They're finally way sexier. Yeah, and you know, whatever. She wants to be like, oh, they have to be married? Okay, now they're married. Romance novel. They've been wanting to do this for 1,500 pages, and now we get, like, literally nothing. We get no scene of it. Yeah. The thing. She just walks out into the water with him, and then th- I guess they're like making out, and they're naked. And then he pulled us gently into deeper water. How about that movie scene where it shows them like in the water, like banging? Yeah, that's way better. Yeah, with the moon in the background and all that. But I was like, I don't know. 
banging in the ocean water by the moonlight. Kristen Stewart gave me some weird vibes in this movie. It's like, she looks too tiny. What's up with well, this? And it is weird because I think when these were filmed and then, like, you know, they broke up. Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, like, broke up in the middle. I don't think of... At least in the middle of the releases, like... From the year, I think 2011 was when part one was released and then part two was released in 2012. Part of that drama was that Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson broke up and I think Stewart publicly kind of cheated on him in like a very public way. So it was like very kind of a sour, you know, tabloids going crazy over it. So there was that. I really like, I really like shovel face. (laughs) The shovel face. Yeah, that's what they call him in the honest trailers for the movies. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I really like him. I think he's hot in spite of his shovel face. I mean, it's accurate. It's an accurate description. He's hot anyway. All right. So here's the the night after. Right? We don't get the scene, but we get the morning after where she wakes up, right? And he Edward's fucked like, her up. Yeah, he fucked her She's up. She's all they had fucked some, up. They had hot BDSM sex or whatever. Uh, but uh, he had to yeah. bite a pillow. So she says, my first instinct, uh, the product of a lifetime of insecurities, was to wonder what I had done wrong. I thought through everything that had happened, but I couldn't find any sour note in the memory. It had all been simpler than I'd expected. We'd fit together like corresponding pieces, made to match up. This had given me a secret satisfaction. We were compatible physically, as well as all the other ways. Fire and ice. Hey, throw back to Robert Frost right there fire and ice somehow existing together without destroying each other more proof that i belonged with him we'd fit together like corresponding pieces made to match up yeah somebody was listening to a little postal service i think that uh, stephanie meyer was playing (laughs) yeah it makes sense that line right corresponding pieces like uh i mean do you have to get that creative to come up with no. that? I'm happy to give Ben Gibbard all of the props in the world, but come on. That's not that special. I but she was probably listening to it. I'm thinking it's a sign. <laughs> yeah, dude. Anyway, I- he fucked her up. She's all bruised and shit and sore yeah, because dude, she, she just got so- fucked ragged. <laughs> all right, dude, I wrote, I got the clip. It's on page 89. 89, after, like, uh, and I've, I've, I highlighted the paragraph and I said, what the fuck? It's, it's right uh, under the dusting of feathers. It's kind of like right in the middle of page 89. Under the dusting of feathers, large purplish bruises were beginning to blossom across the pale skin of my arm. My eyes followed the trail they made up to my shoulder and then down across my ribs. I pulled my hand free to poke at a discoloration on my left forearm, watching it fade where I touched and then reappear. It throbbed a little. <laughs> and I was just like, oh shit. Like, they just had some, like, fucking vampire BDSM shit. I was like, lol, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and the way they show this in the movie is very awkward, too. Oh, you know, we didn't even talk about that, dude. The bed frame. Yeah, well, that happens in the book, too. Yeah, dude, but the it's way they do it... It's just stupid in the movie. Yeah, dude. It's <laughs> so stupid in the movie. He just, like, grabs part of the bed frame and, like, 
pulls it down and it just snaps <laughs> off. Oh my god, dude, it was so. I mean, was... like we've had plenty of lore of vampires and non-vampires fucking a house to rubble. Right. Like we've we've seen Buffy. <laughs> but yeah, and dude, he the just, movie. Like you know, broke part of the bed frame and he bit a pillow yeah dude the scene the reason i found the movie so goofy like that scene in the movie fuck let me like because you could tell it was kind of like a breakaway thing right like they cut it was a set piece that like was designed for robert pattinson to kind of easily break it apart like in the scene right so like you can like he like grabs the bed frame and when he squeezes (laughs) uh uh, it, it just like a piece comes off in his hand and then the whole thing just collapses <laughs> and like they start like giggling or whatever like oh god dude oh god oh god where where am i where am i seeing this yeah i started laughing when he broke the bed frame dude it was so fucking goofy like it was just so goofy and they really drag out that losing the virginity thing in the movie like yeah i'm talking um... like maybe 10 minutes of just like silent shots of Kristen Stewart, not naked, but like naked tangled up in the bed sheets. So, you know, and they just have like 10 minutes of shots like that, like interspersed in the whole seat, the whole time they're in like the Esme Island in the movie. Really dragging that out. And then Ed is super emo about, he's like, how bad did I hurt you? And then he's super emo for like the next, however long. And she's just, you know, prancing around in lingerie. You're like, she's fuck like, me, please. Yeah, she's like, I like getting banged up. <laughs> please, please. Put your she's... vampire dick in me. <laughs> yeah, dude. And isn't that when, and then that's what, that's what, that's what Edward is like, uh, uh, they need to be abstinent until she's a vampire, so they have to go back to abstinence or something. They like insist, insist until she's changed and can handle the rough, hot vampire sex without being like bruised. Yeah, um, and then we find out—is it? <laughs> um, she's like asking her. Or she's asking him how it was for him. Oh, the sex. And then we find out that Ed was, you know, talking to his family to get all the sex tips. Sex tips from the family, as one does, right? As one does. Bella begging for sex after she woke up from a nightmare. I spoke to Carlisle after you and I made our bargain, hoping he could help me. <laughs> of course, he warned me that this would be very dangerous for you. He had faith in me, though. Faith I didn't deserve. I also asked him what I should expect. <laughs> like, uh. Yeah, so he's talking to his vampire daddy about, you know, what sex is what sex is and what it's like yeah dude the thing that when when so you mentioned bella begging for sex here the scene on page page 107 
And this is when Edward's insisting they can't have sex until she's turned because he's scared of hurting her. And, uh, you know, Edward's like, I can't, Bella, I can't. His moan was agonized. Please, I said, my plea muffled against his skin. Please, Edward. She's, like, begging him to fuck after she woke up from this nightmare. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't a nightmare. It was such a good dream. It was <laughs> such a good dream of them <laughs> fucking. And uh, then, she, like, Edward's mad that they fucked. Which, my question, was that a fantasy? No, they totally fucked. But I mean, like, a fantasy of, like, like, like Edward Having being Having a dude being like, no. That was, yeah. like... I don't know. It feels like for half of this book, Edward is our only true antagonist. He's like both a hero and the antagonist in that we want them to fuck. And he's like, no. And then they do when he's like, we shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, through all of this, we also are starting to get like, man, I'm so hungry. I ate so much, even though it was definitely enough for two people. I was like, okay. Bella's <laughs> vampire pregnant. Bella, Bella getting pregnant, yeah. And right at page 120 is when I was like, oh, I have a suspicion that she's pregnant when she throws up the chicken. Yeah, I mean, on page 97, it says, I ate everything, though he'd made enough for two. Right. She's, they keep saying, oh, she's so hungry, she's eating for two, blah, 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 right? Yeah. So I spent a lot of time talking about her eating. And then them banging and her getting bruised up. And then we get the pregnancy. You know, that's the big bomb that's dropped, right? At the end of the first section. And then it becomes a book about abortion. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess I, I didn't. I mean, I guess I made that connection, but I didn't really. Dude, they keep calling it the fetus. I'm fighting yeah. about whether to call it the fetus or the baby. The fetus. <laughs> fetus. Oh, the fetus. Oh, the fetus. The fetus. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. The fucking fetus. But I guess I guess we could look at it that way. This is some commentary on it, or what would you say? I mean, I I don't fucking know. I am hesitant to read into it, but it is also really hard not to read it that way, like a little bit, you know? Yeah. Even though it's some kind of like, like if I were sixteen reading this, I don't think I would read it that way. Maybe I would. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think I did. Although I did think this one was stupid. I remember thinking a lot about this book was stupid. I mean, a lot about this Uh, entire series is fucking stupid. (laughs) It's dumb. The whole thing's dumb. Yeah, I don't know. Now reading it, it's like... It's whole... This whole... This baby is worth more than my own life kind of thing it's just it's hard not to read it at least a little bit that way yeah when half of the argument is it's gonna kill her yeah it's gonna kill her blah blah blah. we don't know what's it's gonna not happen. an it it's a baby yeah and that's really what it's it's 
What irritated me a little bit about the movie <clears throat> was that they cram all of Jacob's stuff into the first movie, and Jacob's portion of, like, this, the best part of this entire, like, 2,500 pages we just read of this Twilight Saga is book two in Breaking Dawn, where it's all Jacob's perspective. Like, that yeah, is the most... Also worth mentioning... Yeah, we start to all of a sudden now that Bella knows she's pregnant, she like wants this baby and she like has to have it. She calls Rosalie. Well, she says, I wanted him like I wanted air to breathe, not a choice, a necessity. So that kind of language comes up a lot. Yeah. And Um, we could, if we're being, if we're being generous, right, she's trying to capture motherhood maybe the connection that like a woman has to the thing literally growing inside of her blah blah blah, kind of thing so if we're being like okay she's trying to show us that this kind of new connection that this young girl suddenly discovered right one of the things of being right like a is that you get this experience or whatever i don't know it's very yeah i mean we could say it's very mormon very christian whenever you want to say about that shit yeah i mean like either way it doesn't bother me too much i was just sort of hopeful for like a really gruesome pregnancy sequence (laughs) so yeah um but yeah jake's part should not have been i don't know i think that the movies could have spent more time there But also, like, how do you? Because, like, for half of that, he's a wolf. And we know from the movie that when they try to do that, when they're all in wolf form, communicating with one another in their minds, it's so bad. It's so lame. It felt very... (laughs) At one point, I don't remember if this was the point in the movie where Bill said this, but we were watching it, and Bill was like... You know how Ben Shapiro has, like, that company that's making movies? Uh, It's kind of what this feels like. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I think it was, like, one of the big Jacob moments that I'm sure we'll get to momentarily. Oh, do you want to talk about the... (laughs) The housekeeper... Who, like knows Bella's pregnant and suspects and is like freaking out I guess it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't seem to matter at any point <clears throat> it doesn't it's just like giving us some ominous vibe because she comes to clean up and she's like before Bella knows she's pregnant and she's like all terrified for her but yeah she doesn't matter and then we get book two Book two with Jacob, Jacob, which is the best part of any of these books. Before we start book two, I gotta pee. Right. I'm gonna grab a drink too, but I'm gonna volume up while I pee. Fucking Shakespeare. It's Summer Night's Dream. <clears throat> We're back to Shakespeare. Yeah, what page is this? I just lost it. Uh, page 139 is when book two starts. Oh, nice. And part of me, when I started seeing that, like, you know, in the end of the last book, the end of Eclipse, Stephanie Meyer introduces this kind of last chapter as kind of an epilogue of Jacob. And in the movie, they move this to the beginning. Uh, 
of the of Breaking Dawn Part One. But at the end of Eclipse, you know, Jacob gets the invitation to the wedding and then runs off in the woods, and that's what starts his kind of. He's hanging out in the woods for a couple months, like brooding essentially. Yeah. And it changes to his perspective, and then in this book is the only other time we get a large chunk dedicated to another character's perspective. And it made me, again, just kind of be like, yeah, this is amateurish because if this was like a huge sweeping saga, we should have been going between all these characters' perspectives. Like, we should have been getting Jacob's perspective from book one. We should have been getting Edward's perspective from book one. Oh, it would have been so one. much better. It would have been such a better book. Dude, it would have been a better about series. It, thinking about it right now, didn't, didn't she just release a book that's like the retelling of the first book, but through Edward's perspective? No. A couple well, years okay. ago? I, as I understood it, she just, like, switched the gender roles. So it's a girl vampire. And a human guy. But it's the same story? I don't know. Yeah, That's what gets either. it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, we're not reading that one, listeners. So no, we're not I'm not doing that. <laughs> I mean, I might do it, but I'm not going to tell you about it. We're just going to do the original I'm gonna series. Keep it private. I'm going to keep living my private shame. Yeah. And then, so book two starts, and we get this this mid a Midsummer Night's Dream from Shakespeare. Those that don't know, one of his more famous plays. Although, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already knew that, because our listeners are nice and smart, all three of them. And uh, the quote is, "And yet, to say the truth, reason and love keep little company together nowadays." So we go from Malay back to Shakespeare, and. <laughs> The, the preface to this one, dude. Yeah. But... Life sucks and then you die. Yeah, I should be so lucky. <laughs> Jacob. Emo boy Jacob. With all of his emo boy um, chapter titles. Waiting for the damn fight to start already. Yeah, his his titles are, his chapter titles are much more aggressive and longer than like Bella's. All that kind of stuff. And this is also what kind of likes me have a lot of sympathy for Jacob. Like, it is... it's it is, And reading these, we, sh- we we talked a little bit about the Edward versus Jacob phenomenon when this was very popular and the movies were being released. And, you know, part of the marketing, they were selling, like, T-shirts, right? Like, Team Edward or Team Jacob. Reading these books now, because I'd never read them before, it's like... They really used marketing to amp that up more than the book did. So, like, the marketing is, is like, better than what the book oh, yeah. actually gave us. So, and, you know, that happens a lot. This happens a lot in movies, people say, right? Like, movies in the contemporary world right now is, like, they're marketed so well that once you sit down and actually watch it, you're like, they marketed this like it was great. It wasn't so great, right? Like, <laughs> the marketing like kind of raises your expectations in a certain way so then you're like disappointed when they don't meet that but the thing i want to talk about first in this jacob section cuck edward edward the cuck wait when does that come in because <laughs> there's some stuff i need to talk about first okay yeah uh, uh, should i why didn't i write this page number down because i think that we need to discuss that imprinting is back in a big way yeah i knew that was gonna matter when she i'm glad that that matters because they spent a whole section in the third book explaining that so i'm glad that it came back at some point 
Importantly, we find out that you can imprint on children. Right. But maybe, yeah, let me know where you want to start because there's one of, um, well, you let me know. You let me know where you want to start. Uh, shit, I didn't write down the page of this. Did you? When, 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 um, Edward is begging Jacob to fuck his wife? That doesn't happen yet. That's not until 180. Okay, 180. All right. So, so we're going to yeah. talk about a couple other things first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First right. off, the most straightforward and maybe honest discussion as it relates to sex <laughs> is just like made in passing at the beginning. What page? Um, oh, wait, maybe. Yeah, this is right before that happens. So it's 174. Speak on it. So this is right when he sees Bella for the first time and he discovers that she's pregnant. There was no way she could be pregnant. Not that pregnant. Except she was. I didn't want to see this. Didn't want to think about this. I didn't want to imagine him inside her. <laughs> And is that him referring to the, the fetus or Edward? I'm assuming Edward. There's no yeah. other way anyone is fucking reading that. I mean, because he follows it up with, I didn't want to know that something I hated so much had taken root in the body I loved. So that, I guess, is referring to the baby. But I refuse to believe that he is not thinking about his penis here. Edward's penis? You don't get to say, imagine him inside her. And not imagine him inside her. It's but like the closest it. we get to saying the word sex in this book. That's true. There's not much sex. Like sex is never mentioned. They in this literally book, don't right? say the word sex. Right. They never say the word sex. Yes, very Puritan. And this was the closest we got. And I was like, thank you, Jacob. <sighs> for being fucking normal about it. We also discover in this um, part of the book that you can imprint on a baby. But, you know, it's not like that. Well, we discover that in Eclipse, right? Do we? Yeah, because Quill or somebody imprints on a baby or Embry. And then Claire, right? The girl's that name happens is Claire. in that one? It happens in Eclipse. And then. I thought that happens in this one. In this one, we see him taking care of Claire because he oh. imprinted on her. So he's okay. like babysitting her, basically. And that's when Jacob keeps insisting, it's not sexual. It's definitely not about sex. It's, it's not like that. I just want to make sure she's safe. Uh, it's, it's about being whatever she And then she eventually, needs. when she's old enough, maybe we'll do stuff. Yeah, it's, it's about grooming. No. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Meyer's Defense of Child Brides. Defense of Child Brides. Well, she is Mormon. <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it's not sexual. We're just whatever she needs. A protector, a friend, a father, a brother. And, and then, you know, we yeah. bang. <clears throat> and then, you know, we fuck You know, eventually. maybe, like, when she's old enough. Yeah. <laughs> when she gets her period. 
<laughs> I'll wait. I'll just take care of her when she's a child, you know? Like I'm family. And then maybe someday we'll have sex. <laughs> and be together forever. Oh god, dude, this is fucking Twilight. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I was glad that at least imprinting mattered a little bit, even though it doesn't come in until like after uh, we see go back to Bella's perspective. So like after Jacob's kind of thing. Yeah, but page one eighty. Page one eighty, <laughs> the cuck. Edward living his best cuck life. So Edward's all desperate now because Bella's clearly dying. She's all like haggard and shit. Because the baby's, like, eating her from the inside out. Right. And it's, like, half vampire, so it's, like, when it kicks, it's, like, breaking her ribs and shit. Yeah. Uh, and then... They can't get through the embryonic sac because it's, like, vampire skin. You can't put, like, a syringe through it or anything to get fluid. It's, like, too tough. You have to have vampire teeth to cut through it. No knife or blade sharp enough. But anyway, Edward basically comes out, right? So Jacob goes to the Cullen's house because he's, like, all worried. And then Edward comes out looking distraught to talk to him. And is basically says, please, please bang my wife. Yeah. Uh, you can offer her what she wants. Yeah. So he's, you can like, offer what all she desperate wants. man yeah. now. Um, he's like, he wasn't if, making any sense. Part of the crazy? I don't care about anything but keeping her alive, he said, suddenly focused now. If it's a child she wants, she can have it. She can have half a dozen babies. Anything she wants, he paused for one beat. She can have puppies if that's what it takes. He met my stare for a moment and his face was frenzied under the thin layer of control. My hard scowl crumbled as I processed his words and I felt my mouth pop open in shock. <laughs> You have but to not... see. You have to make her see reason. <laughs> have to make her see reason, Jacob. She won't listen to me anymore. Rosalie's always there, feeding her insanity, encouraging her, protecting her. No, protecting it. Bella's life means nothing to her. The noise coming from my throat sounded like I was choking. What was he saying? That Bella should what? Have a baby? With me? What? How? Was he giving her up, or did he think that she wouldn't mind being shared? <laughs> And then he says, whichever, whatever keeps her alive. <laughs> because again, Edward can read minds. So Jacob can just think things and then Edward will respond to them. So that was a fun one. <laughs> please bang my wife, dude. Bang my wife, please. <laughs> I texted you, dude. Oh my God, dude. I couldn't Cock think Edward. about what he was suggesting. It was too much. Impossible. Wrong. Sick. Borrowing Bella for the weekends and then returning her Monday morning like a rental movie? So messed up. So tempting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Jacob. Jacob wanted this fantasy, or I guess. But the images came anyway. I'd fantasized about Bella that way too many times back when there was still a possibility of us. And then long after it was clear that the fantasies would only leave festering sores because there was no possibility. None at all. 
I hadn't been able to help myself then. I couldn't stop myself now. Bella in my arms. Bella sighing my name. Oh yeah. So Edward is basically offering his wife as a sex kink and uh... <laughs> Jacob is like, I can't do that. Yeah, fuck my wife, please. <laughs> That's where we left off. All right, so bang my wife, please. Um, yeah, I was like, what the fuck is this? But whatever, I was just going with it at this point. I was like, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> No, this keep... makes it fun. Yeah, all this, right. This brings back the drama. I'm for it. I'm like, yes. Br like, complicate things for me. Right. Please. Because Bella's being a dumb martyr bitch, and I'm so bored of it. And, like, we're only seeing it through Jacob's eyes at this point, too, so it's extra boring to watch her be a martyr. <laughs> I mean, it's boring when she does it, too, but, like, watching from the outside is extra annoying. <laughs> it, like, it makes her feel even less like a character. And there was a point on page 197 where I was just like, wait a minute, like, <clears throat> and this is where... Jacob, like, sees her, right, and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, sees the baby hurting her. She's, like, bruised up in her abdomen and, like, a protruding, you know, baby, baby bump, stomach, larger than it should oh, be. Oh, yeah. This is after Jacob promises that he'll kill Edward if Bella dies. Right. But my thing, so at page 197, where Bella says she loves, she loves you to Jake, says, bye, she whispered behind me, love you, Jake. And I was just like, are we still at this point? So we're still seriously at this thing where Bella's married to somebody else, pregnant with his kid, and then is talking to Jacob and just casually being like, I love you, Jacob, but as a friend. Yeah. Like, we're still doing that. I mean, dude, we've, yes, because we've seen that enough now that we're used to it, and, like, yeah. we don't really question it that much. What I question more is Bella's sudden declaration of faith. I don't know yet, Jake, but I just, I feel that this is all going somewhere good. Hard to see as it is now. I guess you could call it faith. <sighs> it's like, oh shit, Bella's a Mormon now. She's a convert, dude. She married into the family and now vampire is uh, converting. Yeah, she's a believer now. <sighs> She's still saying you loved Jake, and Jake has to deal with that, right? Bella's being mean. Uh, Jacob has alpha blood in his veins. What do we think of that? <laughs> oh, that's fun. Jacob has alpha blood in his veins, and it's really... The way they show in the movie is not good. Like the way It they... is not good. Yeah. Like him kind of rebelling against Sam. But this was fun, because that was, you know, a part of the story that was laid down. Like, that he was supposed to be the alpha, but he didn't want it, you know. Right. Uh, Jon Snow style. I never wanted it! Yeah, yeah. McQueen! Yeah. And it's just another one of those things that's like, oh, here's a great moment for tension and drama, and then it just never happens, so... You know, Jacob breaks away from the pack, and it turns out it's fine. <laughs> it yeah. turns out that nothing bad happens. 
there's no rivalry between Sam and Jacob. In fact, they get along smashingly, right? They, uh... Yeah, there's tension for a moment, but then that quickly sort of dies. Like everything else uh, does in this novel. Well, so the wolves find out about the baby. They want to destroy the baby. And Jake's like, no. And suddenly he's like Carlisle's biggest fan. That's what I mean. So, like, the actual change in a character is the one we get from Jacob. Jacob gets the most sympathy, like, he's the best written, and we get the actual change in character. Jacob has to overcome this prejudice. I guess Edward does, too, but we see it from Jacob's perspective more, right? So Jacob has to overcome this, you know, thousands of years of prejudice against vampires in order to, you know, not kill the woman or hurt the woman he loves, blah, blah, blah. So we get the most change out of him, too. I think that's why I would say that, like, Jack kept kind of wanting to sympathize with Jacob just because he, if we talk about, like, structurally what, what causes you to, to have sympathy for a character, well, Jacob has it all, and all the other characters kind of don't. You would expect to have he a He feels bit the more. most developed. He feels yeah. like the most, like, a real person instead of would... the fantasy of a person. Yeah. Because he's, you... like, not entirely good. And you would think you know, that... With that, that like, sexual assault on his record, we know he's not a good boy. Right. And you would think that we would get more of that from Bella, but this is why I always say Bella's such a passive character, because she... Like, I don't know, she just... Because she doesn't make things happen. Things happen right. to her. Things happen That's to her. That's literally the definition of being yeah. passive. Like, she... You know, and she also just isn't like a real person. We don't see any of the like messy complexity of being a real person in her or in Edward. Yeah, we don't see any of that. Uh, they just like look at each other longingly and then make out <laughs> and then say that they'll be together forever. And in the vampire baby, uh. Is craving blood. Oh, yeah, which was... Oh, my God, dude. It pissed me off so much that it took the fucking werewolf. Uh, uh, all these fucking vampires. She's pregnant with a half vampire. There's a vampire doctor here, and at no point, as this baby is clearly dying and Bella's clearly dying, like, that, you know, like, she's all, like scrawny and like has like her eyes are all like sunken into her face and shit and she's just ugly now yeah you know no one's like maybe the baby wants blood it's a book about vampires and there's a vampire doctor and the vampire doctor at no point thinks like maybe we'll try you know a vampire diet maybe we'll have you drink some blood <clears throat> so yeah Jacob has this like thought sort of jokingly and Edward reads his mind and is like, oh, that's a good idea. And then Bella drinks blood and she's like, mmm, tasty. Yeah, dude. When that when that happened in the book, my note was just like, Bella drinking blood? Let's fucking go, dude. <laughs> like, let's fucking go. <laughs> like, drink that blood up. Finally we're getting something. Like, drink that shit. Here we go. Here we go. Let's fucking go, dude. All right, right at the end of page, page 243, right at the end of the chapter. 
Uh, Bella's hand ran across her stomach. Well, she rasped, barely audible. I'm starving, so I'll bet he is too, trying to make another joke. Let's go for it. My first vampire act. Besides the cheesiness of that, I was just like, all right, let's fucking go, dude, finally. Like, Bella having to drink blood? Here we go. Go, go. It's telling that it happens in Jacob's section. Almost like when Meyer was writing this, like, switching the perspective to Jacob, like, freed her up to start doing things like this. And I was like, yes, you should have been doing this from the beginning. Like, you know, we should have had... Yeah, so this is one of those moments where I was like, yeah, let's get gruesome. Like, okay... Jacob's not going to fuck Bella and make, like, wolf babies, so let's, like, get some gross shit going. Drink that blood. And the fact that, like, she wasn't a vampire yet was like, all right, yeah, drinking blood when you're not a vampire. I was like, all right, let's go. This is is where we go, right here. And in Jacob's section, I texted Sophie about this when we were reading it. Like, I flew through that section. Like, and it's, you know, like 200 pages. And I was just flying through, being like, because all the stuff was happening in that section. All of the tied up, like, loose ends were being tied up in that section of Jacob, with Jacob's perspective. And I was just like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Bella barely in that section. Yeah, I stopped, like, taking notes for a while because I was just blowing through. Yeah, same, dude. I mean, I didn't take notes till like, page 370-something because everything was happening. But it's also, like, a lot of this gets condensed down into a very short time in the movie. Like, we get very little of, like, the wolf drama in the movie. Considering we had four hours to work with with both parts in these movies, you could have put this novel in word for word if you have four hours to work with. Like, you know? Uh, oh yeah, they they also finally address there being a she-wolf and the fact that all of the werewolves are constantly naked in front of each other. Right. Well, like, and yeah, not like we all hadn't caught a look, you know. It's you not know, like I'm into her or anything. But you, you know what else I thought about when I finished this and the movie? Like one question I thought like Emily. Yeah, she doesn't uh, matter. Yeah, and it's it's quite disappointing that the Emily and Leah storyline and Sam and the wolves is just such an afterthought because supposedly it's full of tension. We get a lot of Leah in this last book because when Jacob's in wolf form, he can hear her thoughts and all right. So like we get a lot of Leah from Jacob's perspective. And I was just thinking to myself like, man, I was waiting for some type of tension or for Emily to matter at all. Because in the first, or what is the second book? Emily seems to be positioned as kind of the mothering figure in the wolf pack because she's Sam's, you know, wife yeah. or fiance. So she would be kind of like the, 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 you know, the top female in command. But like that never happens. She does. She seems to disappear. Like it doesn't matter at all that she's like scarred up and like all this stuff. It was like, hold on. This could have been great. Like this could have been such a great little little side plot where we get her perspective or Leah's perspective or somebody's kind of in that regard, and it's just completely gone, completely missed. Like same thing for that uh, dude, that little girl. Like she put out that novella of like the short second life of Bree Tanner. It's like mm-hmm. you could have put that into the novel of Eclipse and we could have been like little cutbacks to this young vampire who's confused and then we see her in the field with everybody when it all comes together 
and I, I it's yeah just more example of this being amateurish this being written for children this be and again it, this is why it bothers me when people try to put books like this into academic frameworks or claim that they're like allegories or i'm like no no no, no. this this writer had no idea what they were doing i think it's pretty obvious <laughs> they and, and okay you know I, I, let's grant it that when you're writing something you have no idea what you're you know you don't know necessarily where it's going right like you might have an idea but it rarely rarely ends up that way okay fine you know whatever that's part of the creative I mean, she process, didn't have any books but... out before this either right like no, was... no, 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 no. She had never written books in her life before this. I think she was a producer. I can't be sure about that. I know she produces movies now, but I don't know if she did before Twilight. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, t- before Twilight? No fucking way. I don't know, because I don't know if her... You think? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about her, so I don't know anything about her personal life or stuff like that, but... If you listen to this podcast, you know how I feel about trying to use authors' personal lives to give us some type of meaning in their work. Uh, Only meaning I need is that, for some reason, she chose the name Jacob. And Jacob is, like... Yeah, is it her brother or her, like, son? I don't remember. It's her brother's name. Yeah, Yeah, it's fucking weird. Yeah, it is a little weird. Uh, And I didn't really take many notes during that Jacob scene either. Like, my next note is, like, page 370. So, like, literally, like, 120 pages went by without me taking any notes on that. And the movie cuts a lot of that out because it is a lot of the wolf dynamic. And we already said, yeah, it's hard to show the wolves communicating on screen. You'd have to do, like, this voiceover stuff. But it's still, like, man, like, we could have gotten that. Like, we we, we could have... I don't know. It, it's, it's just... It seems yeah. like a waste. All about this stuff seems like missed opportunities miss things like like i said i keep going like who edited this uh, who i mean it has to be the marketing you got to give credit to the agents the publishers all these people that did the marketing because there's not a lot here and it's pretty much survives off the marketing still yeah what's my next big note the surgery scene <clears throat> oh don't even hang on <laughs> let me check first before we get there i think in the surgery scene we're still and we get this kind of like we get the buddy buddy between Edward and Jacob, right? Like they now have like a shared cause. Oh yeah. We also get this like foreshadowing on 277 where we're like, for some reason talking about the chromosomal differences between vampires, humans and wolves. Yeah. Right. And we figured out that for whatever reason, Jacob and the baby have something in common they both have 24 yeah i don't know that we are there yet this is just alice oh we're not even there yet but ultimately yeah this is where that starts they like both have like 24 or some shit yeah they both have 24 and vampires have like 25 or something yeah something weird yeah, and then if you have Down syndrome, you have 22. Like, <laughs> something like that. They, like, try to explain that to us. It's like, all right. Uh, and then that <laughs> that surgery scene. The chapter of the surgery scene is called There Are No Words for This. <laughs> Still in Jacob's perspective. But about the movie in that surgery scene, too, dude. 
I always said like the surgery scene is very soap opera. It's very soap opera. Like oh, we have to perform surgery in the middle of this field, like <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Like oh, all of a sudden, uh, out of nowhere, right? Unexpectedly, you have to like cut. Even open though we this. said it might be happening today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, the placenta detached. <laughs> the placenta must have detached. Yeah. Let's see. Detached placenta. And Jacob and Edward have to perform the surgery themselves. So, like, Jacob's, like, holding her down while Edward's trying to give birth to this baby. He has to bite the sack, the amniotic sack, to, uh, to get it out. So his mouth is all bloody because he has to put it down yeah. on, on Bella's cooch and bite. Little cooch nibble to, uh, to get what? this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think they, like, slice her open, don't they? Yeah, they give, like, C-section or something, I guess, kind of. Yeah. It is in the movie scene, dude, when he's putting his, like, uh, my wife is sitting on the couch next to me, like, watching the movies, and, uh, you know, same as she, like, she wasn't paying attention, like, and she looked up when, like, the surgery scene was happening, and Edward shoves that Pulp Fiction, like, needle into her heart. And Jacob's like, what is that? And then he just like, they had this slam, like he like slow motions. And yeah, and he turns, he's like, my venom. <laughs> and so my wife started yeah, bursting out laughing. Too. Yeah, yeah, so did Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's if you haven't. Funny. Yeah. And the way they did it, they like made it take just a little bit too long. So it was like, they didn't cut the scene right away. They like gave too much of a pause in between that. And like, it just made the corniness like stand out. You know, bad directing, but whatever. Or oh, yeah. Also, at this moment, um, right before this moment, uh, Edward can now hear the baby's thoughts. So now <laughs> he's team baby. He's team baby because he loves her. It, well, him at the moment. Yeah, he loves her. calling it him, which automatically means that it's going to be a her. Yeah. It's like, actually, this is and this is why the book... This is why the series sucks, right? Uh, because it's 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 all this drama, all this drama. The baby's killing her. The baby's killing her. Then all of a sudden, it's just one little thing, and now Edward's okay with it. Now Edward can communicate with the baby. All this kind of shit, and I'm just like, come on! Like things need to stop working out perfectly. Like <laughs> everything needs to stop working out uh, the way. Oh yeah, it works out so perfectly. And it and it will continue to do that until the very end. Yeah. So the most exciting moment happens for me on three forty seven. It might be one of my favorite moments in the whole book. The most promising moment and the one that also maybe let me down because I was like, it's happening. They're moving on. They're making it gross. It's coming. Her body twitched arched in Rosalie's arms, and then Bella vomited a fountain of blood. <sighs> I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, let's fucking go, dude. Bella drinking blood. Oh, I was so pumped about that. This is also, like, the moment in the movie where, <laughs> like, her back, like, gruesomely breaks while she is standing. And then she, like, falls onto her knees, and everything sounds so crunchy. It's oh, great. yeah, where she, like, bends over it's backwards. It's way less good. Yeah, it's yeah. not as good in the movie, but... 
Oh, and God. now she's all gruesome and like naked and gross. Surgery, the soap opera. As surgery. one is in pregnancy. And Carlisle isn't there to help help with the surgery, so Edward has to do it himself. Uh, yeah. And also save Bella's life by turning her into a vampire, by injecting his venom into the heart. Oh, God, yeah. And, and, and I think, too, like this Jacob section, because we're about to be done with the Jacob section and move back to Bella for the last part of this novel. And you can feel the shift. Like, the reason I like the Jacob section the most... Uh, was the pacing was so much better in the Jacob section where we have boom, boom, boom. It's like a steady pace of events that keep leading to things and stuff. Right? Okay, okay, okay. Jacob's conflicted by them. He has to have his change and accept the fact that, <clears throat> you know, the woman he loves is having a vampire baby and then will be turned into a vampire to save her life because the baby's going to kill her when it comes out of the womb. And... <clears throat> then it just kind of falls apart. Like, the entire series falls apart after that. But we're almost to the end of the first movie in this section. Apparently, so I found this out from the interview. Uh, apparently, Stephanie Meyer wrote the entire pregnancy from Bella's perspective first. And she realized there was all of this lag time where, like, you know, she couldn't do anything, she couldn't leave the house, and all of the action was always happening somewhere else, which is true in every moment of Bella in this whole series. Yeah. And that she rewrote it from Jacob's perspective. Um, and that quote, I re I had a really great time with that and it really did move the story along a lot faster with a lot more action. So I think it was the right thing to do. It was yeah. It's like, yeah, you should have done it sooner. Right. Because yeah, so, like she had an awareness. It was like, yeah, yeah, you should have been aware of that way sooner when nothing was happening, you know, two books ago. Right. When you and I both mentioned on the Eclipse episode, yeah, we were, we were burning out of Twilight because, like, not enough was happening, not enough was carrying this through, and they just killed off the main villains at the end of that book. So there was this kind of like, okay, whatever. And, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can feel that. You can read it yourself, listeners, and you can kind of be like, yeah. You can feel that it was the right call to put Jacob's perspective. Because how how how, how else would we know all this stuff? You know, like if she's putting Bella's does nothing in that section but lay miserable on a couch or in bed, like unable to move, unable to eat, in boring pain. Boring shit. Yeah, boring as fuck, which is what the last section becomes. <laughs> But we're out of... the So this is where the first movie ends. This is where Breaking Dawn Part 1 ends with, like, Bella waking up with her red eyes being turned. Uh, which is a fine well, place to, to break up the Right before parts, this but... moment is when something else important happens. Lay right? it on me. Jake and Prince. All that lead up to Jacob imprinting. <clears throat> On a baby. Although I didn't really quite get the imprinting when I read it. I didn't understand it until Bella's reaction later in the book. Oh. Um, everything inside me came undone as I stared at the tiny porcelain face of the half-vampire, half-human baby. All the lines that held me to my life were sliced apart in swift cuts, like clipping the strings to a bunch of balloons. Uh. 
Everything that made me who I was. My love for the dead girl upstairs. My love for my father. My loyalty to my new pack. The love for my other brothers. My hatred for my enemies. Blah, 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 blah. And I floated up into space. A new string held me where I was. Yeah, some shit about the symmetry of the universe. Yeah, this is the well, the whole scene because it is kind of like it's it's not entirely clear that this is what imprinting is because we've never really had a description of imprinting before. So for me, it was just kind of like, I don't know, I didn't pick up on it until after we got into Bella's section and she realizes that they just straight up say he imprinted on the baby. Uh, not one string, but a million. Not strings, but steel cables. A million steel cables, all tying me to one thing, to the very center of the universe. I could see that now, how the universe swirled around this one point. I'd never seen the symmetry of the universe before, but now it was plain. The gravity of the earth no longer tied me to the place where I stood. It was the baby girl in the blonde vampire's arms that held me there now. Renezme. <laughs> Fucking, Fucking name, name of the baby, dude. dude. God, it's so stupid. (laughs) It's the worst. It's so bad. I don't know, Renee and Esme. I was thinking Renesme. Yeah. And like, I guess is that more? I guess that's Mormon, right? Like, I like naming after both parents' names, like combining the names. I don't know, dude. I mean. And the middle name with Carlisle and Charlie. Carly. I mean, don't you remember Albus Severus? Mm, yeah. That was pretty bad. It was bad, but at least those were already names, and they weren't combined into like one. It was middle, first Albus and middle. Albus Severus. Albus Severus Potter, the cursed child. The, uh, did you read that one, the cursed child? No. Oh. God, they need to stop making. They need to stop making new ones of, of that. It's, yeah. it's disgusting, dude. It was it was absolutely disgusting. It was, I and they're making that a movie now, I guess, because it's like a hit play, and it's gonna be terrible. I think they haven't. The only reason they haven't made it, I think, like Daniel Radcliffe, and has like kind of refused to. Good. Yeah. And I, I think because that book wasn't written yet that it's not in his contract because he still has that contract where he has to show up and do like Orlando Studios shit like in Universal Studios like like it contractually since he's the face of Harry Potter uh, you know he makes a lot of money off that because like his face is sold on all the merchandise and shit I think he makes like 15 million a year just off his Harry Potter royalties that he gets. <laughs> Just because every time they sell like a cup, like a mug in the in the gift shop with his face on it, like he gets a you know a payout. But like, uh, you know, and he's just like, no, I'm not coming back. And that book wasn't written yet, or that play, The Cursed Child, wasn't written yet. So now, Radcliffe's just like, nah, like I'm done doing Harry stuff. Like everything that I'm not contractually obligated to show up for. Yeah, good for him, dude. Like I'm not gonna do it. So like he had to show up for the reunion. He had to show up for like all this other shit that they. I did, like him but, better like, playing stupid evil characters and very bad rom coms. Anyway. Yeah, and he's not a good actor. Like he's not a good actor, but I admire the fact that he is taking the money that he, you know, he's getting a payouts every year from this empire that he was a part of 
and just doing like weird indie movies, like not giving yeah. a fuck, like doing like theater and like just going for it. Wish he was a better actor because, you know, Pattinson kind of did that too. Although I doubt he's making as much money as Radcliffe is off of. But Pattinson's good. But yeah, but Pattinson's a good actor. So he's getting a career like he's getting a, a career where he's now no longer considered Edward Cullen. He's now Batman and all this other shit, you know. He's, like, doing all kinds of weird roles. I mean, Batman was bad. He did a couple of those. Uh, right, he did a couple Safdie Brothers movies where he, uh, they let, they use him well, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah, back to Twilight. Yeah, so Bella's a vampire uh, now, and she will proceed to spend the rest of the novel explaining what that feels like. Yeah, and, and this is this is the point where I brought up this up to you. Like, the hunting chapter, I guess that's the first chapter in, in Bella's section. Here, let me. Not quite, because we get the turning. So I think chapter no, 21. it's the first chapter where something happens. Yeah, maybe. chapter 21 is the hunting chapter where she takes her first hunt with Edward. But uh, you can already read this. So, like, Bella her section slows down so much like the pacing instantly screeches to a halt like literally somebody slammed the emergency brake and the story that was churning so fast under jacob's section just completely stops like it just completely halts on the tracks like yes and now we're just looking at how defined everything is right because she has vampire eyes and i gotta grab a drink long ass fucking book dude long ass fucking book yeah, and it gets so fucking slow. So slow that at some point, time just has to pass. And they have to explain time. Stephanie Meyer just has to explain that time has passed. But Yeah, we'll and I texted you about this, and then you texted me about this, because that really... I mean, this last section, I think, you said you got really slowed down with it. like. Oh, because I just... I was so bored. I didn't Like, care. you said... Yeah, it took you, like, longer to read those last, like, 300 pages than it did to read, like, the first 400, like... Well, mind you, I had already, like... So, I had read everything. Right. Right? Already. And it was one of those situations where it's, like, there's not... There's only so much to forget. So, like, all of the big plot points I remembered, the stuff in between those plot points wasn't enough to, like... Be like, oh, I forgot about that. It wasn't like, I don't know, like every time I reread the Chamber of Secrets, you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot about that. Because so much happens. Right. Not enough happens in this book. So once she has the baby and is a vampire, I'm like, all right, there's only like one thing left. Yeah. To happen. And it's not going to happen for another like 400 uh. pages. And Bella's section opens with the uh, this quote by uh, Orson Scott Card. Personal affection is a luxury you can have only after all your enemies are eliminated. Until then, everyone you love is a hostage, sapping your courage and corrupting your judgment. Yeah, and then we get back, we get the kind of like, okay, she's back to having her dreams of like her little baby, blah, 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 all that shit. She sees her creepy baby... Her creepy baby is growing creepy fast. Uh, where am I? Okay, page 371, right? Where we get kind of, it's a rehashing oh, right, right, right. rehashing of what we already saw through Jacob's eyes. 
So the same exact line from Edward. The placenta must have detached. Something sharper than knives ripped through me. The words, making sense in spite... The words, making sense in spite of the other tortures. Detached placenta. I knew what that meant. It meant that my baby was dying inside me. Get him out, I screamed to Edward. Why hadn't he done it yet? He can't breathe. Do it now. The morphine. He waited. He wanted to wait to give me painkillers while our baby was dying? Nice little interrobang there, right? A question mark, exclamation point. No, now, I choked, unable to finish. Black spots covered the light in the room as a cold point of new pain stabbed icily into my stomach. It felt wrong. I struggled automatically to protect my womb, my baby, my little Edward Jacob. But I was weak. My lungs ached. Oxygen burned away. My little Edward Jacob. Jesus fucking Christ. Bella is insane. That's what I wrote in my notes right there. My little Edward Jacob is what she called her vampire baby. Why is Jacob included in this? Like, Yeah, is this the first time we hear that? Because I remember her saying that it was either going to be EJ or... Renesme. And I was like, God, at least EJ sounds normal. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember her saying anything about that because I guess I wasn't paying maybe attention. She didn't. I mean, dude, there's but so many I things I didn't pay attention to. I the book and the movie yeah. now, and in the movie, they're just like, I was thinking either this or this. But I think they do do that in the book a little yeah. bit earlier. There are so many things that I don't remember after reading these books, dude, that like it's just it could have happened and I'm just completely And they're like, It's one of a kind. I like it. Yeah. Just like our baby. But like it just it just it and this is I brought this up last episode where I hate or, stupid names, man. I hate it when you get a really bad character <laughs> name and there's just like no fucking good reason. And like I get that she wanted it to be all symbolic of like the moms and like, oh, it's both of our moms and yeah. otherwise i was gonna name it after you and my best friend like fuck our dads they don't matter <laughs> yeah and i don't have any girlfriends because i'm not like other girls so that's out of the question isn't the middle name carly out of the dad's names she says oh right where they combine carlisle and charlie well, at least Carly is normal, too. It's yeah. ugly, but it's, it's normal. It's spelled differently, too, to, like, make it seem... Yeah, because it's Charlie without an H. Yeah, and Carlisle. Uh, yeah, yeah, which whatever. is just Charlie without an H. But this Carly. is what I brought up in the in the Eclipse episode, where we've reached a point where Jacob has not been chosen... It's very clear to Jacob he hasn't been chosen. It's very clear to Edward. It's very clear to Bella. It's very clear to the reader. Yet Bella insists on, like, keep bringing Jacob into it. She's like a dumb bitch. <laughs> but then they also, like, because ex- well, she's mean, you know? Not yeah. mean, but, like, she doesn't mean to be, but, like, you know. Can't let go. <sighs> Is the way that I guess you read it as an adult, but also they explain this away by being like, no, the pull the whole time. Well, you know, I guess the whole time that she was pregnant was just to the baby, like because of Jacob's imprinting thing. And I was like, okay, right. This whole thing is weird, but not to mention. So. Okay, this is a little different from one day they're going to hang out and he's going to be like, hey, so did I ever tell you about that time that. I didn't 
a sexual assault on your mom? uh but anyway that's you know okay yeah so there's that bella's doing keeps insisting to like bring jacob into things even though everybody knows that jacob's no longer part of it even jacob understands his place in it now he's no longer trying to to think about her her naked all the time right well that's just a natural male like like that everybody gets upset when you like it's just you're gonna people have to come to terms with this all right like (laughs) if you're a man and like like even it doesn't even matter if you're straight or or anything like that it's just if you're a man with male sexual uh desires blah blah you are picturing people naked around you (laughs) just at a random fleeting thought in your head usually it's like the younger person first and it's like oh her mom's kind of hot maybe i'll also picture her naked not like hey so it depends how old you are. With your yeah. mom. Well, not the babies. Yeah, not the babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not babies. Yeah. But yeah, just like the normal kind of male. It is. It is just the fleeting. It's not like some Dude, thing that like. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone pictures everyone naked. Right, and it's not like some fixation or like some weird obsessive thing. It's just a little fleeting, huh? And then it flutters away. Then it flutters away, like kind of never to return kind of thing, like you know. Uh, that's why I said, like, we talked about Joy Williams. Joy Williams captured this, I thought, better than anybody that I've read in American literature, where she was able to capture this, the kind of little fleeting thoughts that are very normal, but, like, are, we consider weird if somebody said them out loud or, or dwelled on them or something. But yeah, anyway, so we get the same thing. So this is the repeated thing. We get the repeated scene. We have the birth happening in Jacob's perspective where he's there helping. And then we have the birth from Bella's perspective right after that. Now, it's a little different for novels. But one of the main rules in most writing, most writing, is maybe more important in things like screenwriting. One of the rules, right? And, you know, whatever. You can bend rules. We can break rules. Whatever. Sometimes that's fun, right? Usually what's not fun is breaking this one, which is telling the reader or the viewer something they already know. Like, when, you, when, you're, when, you're, when you're doing that and you're repeating information that needs to be given to the reader or viewer and they already know it, like, you're not progressing the story, right? Like, you're stagnating the story. You're making the, the pacing throw off, which we already talked about. As soon as Bella's chapter comes back, the pace just whew, just screeches to a halt. Because we already saw this. We, are, we literally just saw what's happening. Now we see it from another character's perspective. Sometimes this can work in movies. Sometimes that can work, right? I'm thinking of what was that Matt Damon movie and Ben Affleck like the medieval one they just came out with where like you hear you see that from three different perspectives the same story and it kind of starts to affect that movie after a point too it's not gonna say that movie's good but it's just I can't even think of the last duel the last duel is what it's called sorry and uh the ending is good with like the duel and all that but like it it just makes it a little too long and the fact that we get three different perspectives of the same event is what kind of makes it feel like it drags because we already know the information kind of. But you do learn a little bit from each perspective, so it makes up for it a little bit. But yeah, it's just, you know, one of the basic rules. And this is another thing. We've said this every episode. Amateur writing doesn't pay attention to these things, not because they're subverting the rules and doing something cool, but because they clearly don't understand (laughs) that, like, this is a bad move to make if you want your reader to be seriously engaged, page turner type thing, right? At least that's my thoughts on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, we get a really long, boring description of her feeling like her whole body was burning while she's turning into a vampire. That's what I mean. So there's no reveal. Like, like we, yeah. it's revealing what there's the reader nothing. already knew. We already knew she had this, like, you know, this baby, like, the venom in her heart, all of this. Like, we knew this was happening. And there's still, like, 400 pages left, so we know she's going to survive it, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no threat of her not coming through. And just, like, Unless, the type of story like, this is. they do something real cool. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think the fans would have been happy. Oh, dude. And, and, and I, this is... Uh, I don't want to, I hate bringing up something that doesn't have to do with this, but like, since I just recently watched the ending of the last season of Ozark and stuff, uh, you know, what people liked about Game of Thrones, you know, considering that was like one of the last big, huge television dramas that everybody watched, whatever, I want to get into the ending and how they fumbled the ball on the one yard line type thing. But like three seasons is fine. Yeah. Yeah. But like the reason we like that is because the main characters were killed. (laughs) <laughs> the main characters were killed without mercy very unexpectedly it kept us being like oh my god who's gonna die like and in ozark they had a, so many risks. opportunities yeah exactly it's a risky thing to do but this and, and the reason i brought up ozark because there was just a scene in there where like the crazy cousin of the cartel or the crazy nephew of the cartel leader is taking over and is fucking shit up right like causing problems in the plans and at one point he has a gun pointed at jason bateman's head and I was like, oh, my God, if you had any balls right now, you would kill him. You would just have this guy shoot Jason Bateman in the head. And it'd be, holy shit, the main character just got killed. We have seven hours left still kind of thing. Yeah, I but mean, they when do you didn't. want to talk about the movies? Yeah, but they didn't. They had him saved by a cell phone call. By a cell phone call, dude. The cartel guy who's kind of out of his mind, being crazy, not listening to the actual cartel leader, is suddenly convinced by a fucking phone call in the heat of him pointing a gun at this guy uh oh okay i won't i'm just like ah you go i already knew i mean okay that show is never great but like when i was listening i was like oh this ending is going to be awful (laughs) like you needed to kill we need to do these people have been fucking with the cartel for like four seasons now they need to start dying like they need to start being killed they need to be on the run something like like uh but oh, it's all great. It's all great. But, ah. And it's the same thing with this book. Like the sentiment. We knew she wasn't going to die because nobody dies in this book. Nobody dies who matters. Okay. There is no, there are no consequences. There are no mistakes. Yeah, everything now always everything works that's out exciting as exciting has been eliminated. Because yeah. the right. only thing that was exciting was, oh, is Edward going to be a dick and leave? Like, you know, that's really all it is. Oh, is she going to make out with Jacob? Yeah, and so there's no subverting our expectations. There's no giving us a shock of killing a beloved character. Like, there's no, like, there's no even, there's, dude, there's not even a disruption in plans. And we're going to get to this as we discuss this last fucking section. But, like, boy, oh, boy, did that. And then, okay, and then Vela's a vampire, just like that. Just snap, okay, she's a vampire. And the movie does a little bit of, like, will she won't she will she survive i think the movie does a better job of creating like she's she basically dies on the table after giving birth and the only thing that keeps her right they make that they drag it out a little bit and again this is because we've mentioned before melissa rosenberg who you know professional screenwriter who again is probably retired after writing these five movies because they made so much fucking money she knew what she was doing so she's like all right drag this moment out give it a little bit more tension because there's nothing here already but anyway 
Bella's kind of vampire change. It just, boom, just like that, right? It just happens. So, okay, just like that, whatever. This book has been like that this entire time. I'm willing to go with it, sure. You know, whatever. She's she a vampire. Spends a lot of time making out in f- with her husband in front of her family. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get to chapter 20. It's called New. <laughs> Where that, it's like, all right, Bella's now a vampire. She's kind of describing her sharpened senses, the heightened, you know, she's no longer clumsy. That's gone because she's a vampire. She's elegant. She's graceful. She glides, right? She can jump. She has power now. Yeah, she can jump out of two-story (laughs) windows. The thing that they show is that she can jump out of two-story windows in high heels and land on, like, an uneven rock. (laughs) And, like, that's, like, you know, whatever, Grace of the Vampires. Okay, whatever, that works. Yeah, whatever. Uh, But then we have that hunt, right? That first hunt with Edward taking her to hunt deer because they're vegetarians, uh, vampire vegetarians. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah, dude. Vegetarians. All right. And this is where I noticed it. I was going to say, page 2425-ish. Because we get a couple chapters. She explains all this, and then it was uh, 425. And we get this kind of like, uh, they're on their first hunt. So Edward is taking Bella to hunt. He's teaching her the ropes kind of thing. And she says at the top of page 425, second paragraph, it was a surprisingly sensual experience to observe Edward hunting. I was like, yeah. He was very sensual like, to yeah. watch your man yeah, kill this thing with his teeth. Uh, his yeah. smooth spring was like the sinuous strike of a snake. His hands were so sure, so strong, so completely inescapable. His full lips were perfect as they parted gracefully over his gleaming teeth. He was glorious. I felt a sudden jolt of both pride and desire. He was mine. Nothing could ever separate him from me now. I was too strong to be torn from his side. Anyway, yeah. she's getting, getting turned on watching him kill animals. Yeah. And drink and drink their blood. <laughs> Vampire horniness. Yeah, see it's like it's not exciting now that we know it's like like it's a little fun, you know, when we get the hot and heavy descriptions. Right. And she's like his big, big hands. His big vascular hands. <laughs> <laughs> And just like everything else, it's kind of not enough. Like, I get it's the kind not. of yeah, yeah. And you know, there's some okay. We want to talk about themes. They there, there is have some no depth. They're just like these weird martyr characters for each other, and like they don't have any personality beyond that. They're both different. That's a good way to put it. Like that's all it is before it was like a weird confusing like what are you like what's this passionate thing we have it's all really fucked up i'm a hundred you're 17 what about that you know yeah uh and now all of that is gone so it's just not enough because that was the only tension that ever existed in this book yeah well in this series I guess that was that was chapter twenty one. I was talk- yeah, chapter yeah. twenty one is the one I'm referring to, and that was the chapter. And I texted Sophie about this. Chapter twenty one seems like the ending to me. 
Like, that is the end of the story. Like, they're hunting together. She's turned. Jacob is fine with it. The baby is born safe and healthy. She survives. She's now a vampire. Everything she wanted. She and Edward are vampires together forever. And the baby doesn't even kill humans. The baby isn't even like a reckless, oh my God, it might kill its mother and other humans and its grandfather, blah, blah, blah. Like, that never happens. That's all fine. Like... The story's over, right? Like this is why this is why the last section I think was so difficult for us to read. Like, the story's over here. Like, yeah, this is the ending, and we'll get to this, listeners. But then we have another three hundred pages to end up where we are right now in chapter twenty-one. Jacob being yep. fine and okay with it, the baby being born and healthy who doesn't kill anybody is so fucking rational for a little kid that it's fine, and then. Bella doesn't actually kill humans either. She can control herself better than any vampire that's ever existed. Whatever. Happily ever after. That's the end. It's right there. But because we have such an amateur writing kind of thing going on with this, like it's, we extend this out for 350 more pages and to end up in the exact same place. Nothing happens that changes the trajectory. Nothing gets in the way of their plans. And then everything just ends up where it already is in chapter 21. (laughs) Uh, Like, you know, page 420. There's a whole plot line that doesn't, I mean, we've said this of so many plot lines. And this series. But there's a whole plot line that just really doesn't matter. That they try to wrap up with the Volturi. Shit, dude. At least the Volturi. I guess they have to be, like, you know, the ultimate bad guys. Even though they're not like they are and they aren't. Like. Yeah. They're bad guys, but then also they're incredibly reasonable. (laughs) If you just, like, uh, convince them. Like, have a negotiation. Basically, I mean, yeah, how much time do we really need to spend on these last 300 pages? Well, the thing is, yeah, the thing is, that's why I just like, all right, this is it. This is the end. And then and then Jacob's kind of out of the picture because he imprinted on the baby. Right. Bella's like done with him. Yeah. So she's all pissed about it. Right. But then they're like, we have to leave. Because we're vampires and you're, you know, Bella's dad lives here and they can't know. And so Jacob does a thing and he goes and tells Charlie that he's a werewolf. Ugh, dude, that. And this is handled very poorly. Dude, it, it, and it didn't even need to be done. Like, and, 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 and it, only, it only furthers the happy ending thing like like if the story is that the baby that they're telling charlie is that it's 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 a niece that they're adopting because of a tragedy like you didn't have to go further like yeah at this point just tell charlie everything well the reason i guess they try to explain that they don't want to tell him everything because then the voltaire the voltaire would be after him Volturi. right right right, right this right. fucking made-up name that i always mispronounce um yeah whatever i add an extra syllable in there it's like Anyway, they like they would be after the him because humans can't know the They're secret. The blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we so they try to make Illuminati, it like that. the church, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and it's not enough. Just like everything with Charlie, right? Like Charlie starts acting very strange, like in the third book here when he starts like being on Jacob's side because he hates Edward, but 
but he's also like, well, you know, I'm just glad to have you here, Bella. And, you know, I don't need to, you know, know all the details. It's fine. I don't want to know why I have a niece that is suddenly just went from being like a newborn to being like a seven year old. In two months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, With the maturity you know, of the I don't need to know yeah. why you're all different and shit. And also, for some reason, Bella gets contacts just to see Charlie. Right, 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 right. Contacts become part of the story all of a sudden. And, like, they just have all these colored contacts to give her. And and, and they dissolve in her it's, it's It's a complication that doesn't need to be there. But I understand, okay, her eyes are red, so we need to cover that up because that's unusual. But like at yeah, the same time, yeah. At no time, point do they talk about makeup. It's like you could just make her not that pale, right? Yeah. You could just keep up this charade for a little while and like. And she was kind of already supposed to be like pale, like a pale, pale girl. as shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like a. She was an emo kid. Right. From so. Arizona. <laughs> God, that does sum it up, doesn't it? <laughs> emo kid from Arizona. Oof, oof, oof. All right, yeah. And that's I didn't figure out that Jacob imprinted until Bella's section when she gets mad about it. That's why I was like, oh shit, Jacob imprinted on the baby, because that first section where they like we just read with like the universe and all the strings and all these fucking things, that didn't do it. Like I didn't get that connection because that was never talked about with yeah. Quill or Embry imprinting or any of the other wolves. Well, we never I only talked got it about they... that. I don't remember what I was saying, but. Yeah. Jacob imprinting and them describing the imprinting oh, in that yeah, section. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, well, I only understood it because I think they, like, had a number of characters try to explain it to him. And they also worked it up to this whole big storyline for him. Like, he goes on that one car ride, right, where he's, like, he goes to the park because he's listening to Edward talk to the baby. It, like, while it's still in Bella's belly, I guess. Yeah. Jake's like all pissed off because now even Edward isn't his ally and blah, blah, blah. Right. He like goes for a cruise to like, I don't know, pick up chicks or like find danger or something. When Edward and tries him... really hard to like imprint on people. And then I think like the next thing that happens after that is Bella gives birth and he imprints. Right. On their baby. Renesme. Um, yeah, Ed and Bella have vampire sex, and it's great. Vampire sex, sex ever. Oh, did I take any? I'm oh, not, <laughs> I'm sure one, I did. At one point, I was like, I wrote in my notes, how the fuck do you say the baby's name? Like, <laughs> Vampire sex on 482. <laughs> how the fuck do you say this baby's name? 482 with vampire sex. Jesus. Oh, my God. Okay. God damn it. And dude, and then, and then, and then yeah. this Irina shit. All right, what did you say on 482? Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, 482. Which part? Yeah, so the whole, okay, the whole, real quick, with the Volturi coming, like the whole idea, we have this fucking storyline of the immortal children. One of their vampire friends comes to visit, but sees Bella and her kid hunting or Jake and the and Renesme hunting or whatever. I fucking hate it. Every time the name comes out of my mouth, like I want to die. Yeah, it's a terrible name. Um 
thinks that it's just like a full vampire child and there's this whole history of vampire <coughs> children being a huge danger to the community, blah, blah, blah. So that's how, like, she goes to, like, you know, tell on them um, for making an immortal child without confronting the Cullens to be like, hey, what's up with it? And that starts the whole Volturi storyline alice foresees it coming and like then you know time passes and uh, about the irena thing dude like the the uh, it, it just pissed me off that this character that didn't matter like ever and really wasn't brought into the story ever all of a sudden is the pivotal thing that like makes us what be worried about the Volturi like this is it, it, it just I know I've said this ever it's just so weak man it's just such a weak story device that I just can't help but roll my eyes and in the movie for this when we get to part two it's like they she's irrelevant she doesn't even they could have written her out of the script and it wouldn't have mattered because especially like you know that did you watch that little 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 Easter egg clip at the end of the credits at part one? I did not continue to watch the little Easter egg thing at the you said at the end of the second movie. Yeah, I think your mic switched too. Motherfuck! But there was like that little it's like an Easter egg thing. It like it's just like a stupid scene where it's not in the book. But it's like they show our arrow and the Volturi sitting in their chambers and they get like a little note, like a little letter from Carlisle informing them that Bella is a vampire. Like they've made the change that they said they would. But it makes... Wait, this happens at the end of Breaking Dawn? At the end of Breaking Dawn Part 1, after the credits oh, roll. Oh, I yeah. did. Yeah, I did not watch that at all. Yeah. It's like a little clip at the end after the credits roll. And it's like, they give like this little note to Aro and he's like, you know, like, oh, well, we should make a visit to our friend Carlisle and welcome the new vampire. So it gives like a motivation for the Voltari to come to Carlisle and all them, the Cullen Coven, without Irina in there. And I was thinking they would cut out Irina entirely because, again, she's so irrelevant to this thing. And it doesn't really matter how the Volteri found out, right? It doesn't really matter how they find out. Just the fact that they know. If they know so much else, like, why couldn't they know this type thing? <clears throat> Especially with, because like, Because people... Arena is the only death that occurs. Yeah. You get one death. But, with, like, when Irina came in, I was like, wait a minute. Who the fuck is this? Like, I had completely forgotten. all these motherfucking characters. Because we get like this influx of vampire characters for the last four, three hundred pages or whatever. Yeah. Didn't care about any of them. They could all die and it would be fine. Right. Um, like half of them have special powers. Yeah. Bella has special powers. Her kid has special powers. And then the Volturi come and they have a chat. After Bella does all of this bullshit to, like, prepare for Renesme to have to run with Jacob. Right. Believing that she's going to die and that they're all going to die. 
honestly, that was, again, just another misused plot point where, like, that was the best part of that last Bella section in book three here where, like, you know, she has... Alice left her these kind of, like, you know, scavenger hunt clues to find this guy. And she finds this guy. Turns out he's a lawyer that can give her fake papers, blah, 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 fake passports, IDs, all that. And, like... I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. But then, just like everything else, it doesn't matter at all. Like, it is it is completely inconsequential to the plot. It was all just, to, like, a misdirect yeah. because Alice had to make them believe that they were really in trouble and that it was going to turn out this way so that, I don't know. It was all very convoluted. So that, like, Aro couldn't read Edward's mind and that... You know, Bella's the only one who could know because Edward can't read her mind. And, like, it was just... Uh, so lame. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't so much that was lame. Like, I was... I kind of suspected that when they said Alice disappeared. Like, that's immediately what I suspected. It was that Alice was trying to save them because they could read her mind. Or Arrow could. Right? could like read her mind right. for her visions and like it, it it just yeah i was like okay so we're setting this up for alice to come back at some point and be like here's the plan you couldn't know i was like okay that's reasonable that's fine like that's like all right that's a fine plot device but then the fact that none of it mattered the fact that it would have been none exactly the same if alice stayed and they didn't go to this lawyer to get like fake papers if none of that happened, it would have ended the exact same is my problem. The vaults worry don't matter, dude. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> Nothing thing. that yeah. happens in the second half of this whole novel matters. Dude, I took almost, I just stopped taking notes after this point. Like, after chapter 21, where I was like, wait, this is the ending. And it feels like the ending when you're reading it. It feels like it's ending. Like, this is the resolution to all the turmoil. And then it keeps going, and then it keeps going, and then we just have conversation after conversation with the Volturi, <clears throat> and they just talk, and it's fine, and it ends up the exact same place it was yeah. in like chapter 20. So, and like Bella's preparing to like send Jake and Renezme off on their way, and then Ed goes, Goodbye, Jacob, my brother, my son. I was like, What? Yeah. Your son? Your son? Why? Whose son? He calls Jacob his son. Edward does? Yeah, he says, on 7-23, goodbye, oh. Jacob, my brother, my son. It's because he's supposed to marry the child bride. But it's not like that, man. Just want to keep her safe. Yeah. I guess there's that reference to where he's like, should I call you dad now? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so maybe I that's... watched the second movie without Bill, and I made him watch just the ending with me in part just for that, just to watch his reaction. He's like, "What did you just say?" Yeah, and we we should move to the movie in a minute here with like the ending differences. <coughs> <coughs> but the thing that I I hated about the ending here was that the ending was so lackluster, and it's a happy ending. Sure, we knew this was going to be a happy ending because it's literally nothing bad happens in this book. But I can't help but feel 
like the lack of conflict was a complete waste. Entire like, lack of conflict. Yeah. Like they literally just talk. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's like is... all of this preparation for battle and they just have a chat. Yeah. For a very long time and like rehash the same issues more than once. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then they kill Irina. And that right. and Irina dies and we don't care. So, yeah, we don't like, care that Irina died because we didn't know about her except for like a paragraph in a like, past. Yeah, she's not she doesn't matter. And yeah. she's also become kind of a bad guy who has to sacrifice herself now because this whole thing is her fault. And so like we don't care. We're like, all right, yeah. <coughs> And my bigger problem is that that everything works out perfectly, that we took another 350 pages from the original ending, or where I would call the ending in chapter 21, for everything to work out perfectly, for no one to die, for everything to just be fine. Like, how did this get published? Like, how? How? Like, yeah, I keep and then going... there's like that dumb twist, right? Alice shows back up. For some reason, the Volturi wives are there, and like we forget that they're there because they don't matter. We never meet them. It's not important. Like we just know that they're there. Um, but yeah, there's no fight. Alice shows back up to save the day because she's found another half mortal, half vampire. <laughs> Living in the Amazon or something. <laughs> but he's a man, so he's venomous. Yeah. Right? Like, Ren the whole thing is like, Renesmee's not venomous, so it's cool. Right. It's chill. And my questions about this, like, kind of... I mean, the lawyer thing was such a waste. Nothing matters in this world. Uh, a world without consequences. This is the fucking story universe that Stephanie Meyer created. Should someone have died at the end of the book mm -hmm. should, yes yes exactly it should have <laughs> like i know i keep comparing I mean, it... at least the bad guys and like right. maybe one good guy right i don't know like someone who mattered but at the very least like yeah we should have seen we should have gotten the fight i'm like dude um i know i keep comparing this to like that's like 300 pages for no for nothing right we end for up no exactly where we were yeah and and like gratification is everything in a romance novel right and and like i i always i've been comparing it to potter and all that like the harry potter universe because these you know they're just so connected to that time period blah blah, blah. but like i just and it's also the example of like a superior like dude Okay, like, Dumbledore dies. Well, and Harry like, Potter was the thing that was the huge thing right before this. Right, right. And I just mean, like, I just mean, like, Dumbledore was such a beloved character, and she killed him before the last book. Like, mm -hmm. literally killed him off. And, like... She killed so many characters. Right. And then, she went hard. And then in the last book, first chapter, dude, people are just dying. Like, like first yeah. chapter, like, beloved characters. Dude, starting book four, shit gets really dark. Yeah, and it's just... Because, like... It ages appropriately. It ages know? and it starts to 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 emphasize the importance, right? These people are trying to save the world from evil. Therefore they're sacrificing people in order to do that, right? Like you're willing to give your life to stop this, so we lose you know Well, it gives you a sense that there is actually a threat. Right. So we lose beloved right. if characters. No one who matters ever dies, then right. there's no real threat. 
Exactly, right? So, and as a writer, it's kind of fun to do that, dude. Like, if you write yourself into a corner, well, part of the challenge is to get out of it in a believable, kind of well-done way. So just killing a main character is a little bit fun, because now you have to kind Who of go, oh, died? fuck. Right, like, oh, shit. Like, you know, and how do Who I do work out of this died? all? Um, <clears throat> I think Jacob could have died. Uh, he would have been an ideal one, especially since he has the most sympathy, like we said, throughout all these books. If Jacob were to sacrifice himself for Renezme, maybe would have been a good way for him to go or for Bella. Uh, you could have killed off any of the Cullen family could have been any of the Cullen family yeah. could have gone. I agree. Uh, if we wanted to go really, maybe Charlie. Charlie could mm -hmm. be killed off and that could have caused something like if they let Charlie know and then the Volturi were after him and he ends up being dead and it's Bella's fault, you know, automatically heighten the tension. The dude, drama. that would have been great. Yeah, that dude. would have been great if Again, he died and it was Bella's fault somehow. And right. it actually like was her fucking fault. Well, it would have been. If something was actually yeah. Bella's fault. Right. Yeah. So that's what I mean, dude. That's what I mean. I can't get published and stuff. If she Meyer made something yeah. <laughs> happen and it ended up being a bad thing, oh, been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it's all without consequence. It's all without consequence. So, yeah, we're just. But yeah, all is well in the end. Yeah. Pissing me off, dude. <laughs> Pissing me off. All right. The movies. The movies we talked about the a little movies. bit. Movies. Dude, like the, the woman they cast to play Alice just was one of the first things I because she has a much important, more important role in this last, uh, this last book. And the actor they cast to play Alice is just so bad. She's just such a bad actor that it just. I, dude, I kept feeling that way about Esme though, but maybe it's just because her face is really Esme weird. too. But she's less, she's less important to the story in every aspect. So yeah. it, it could have been anybody, you know. But like since Alice became so important in these last couple of movies and like just you know same thing with taylor lautner or whatever like you cast somebody oh, for the original God, and then you're so stuck bad. with them and they're not the best actor and they're kind it's of so bad yeah. so i had an issue with that but i'm just i'm gonna say this every single for all of the twilight episodes Taylor Lautner ruined everything. <laughs> but also, I feel bad for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not really, because I think, like, this movie made him, like, one of the, like, he was, like, a sex symbol for a minute. Right. He wasn't very shirtless for the rest of the series, either. No. And he was also wearing, like, not the right gear, you yeah. know? Uh, like, when he, when he gets on, it's Charlie to... He gets undressed in front of Charlie to change into a wolf right. for Charlie. He straight up has like a like button up <coughs> button flat for his pants, like five fucking buttons that he has to unbutton right. to take his pants off. I'm like, whoa, hold up. Like, I don't usually care that much about, you know, these small differences between book and movie. But these full-length pants with his many layers and, like, come on. Yeah. He just stops to undress every time he's about to change 
into a wolf. I mean, I guess he kind of does in the book. And I noticed this in the third. But you just kind of assume it's just like the cut off sweatpants thing, and like that's how he's got on. Yeah, and in the book, most of the wolves... like I just assume there's no underwear happening. Well, they do it differently because in 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 the, in the which in... is probably not okay because I guess he's like seventeen in this. Yeah, and this is one of those stupid kind of like you know comic book nerd things where it's like okay, well in the book they say it doesn't fucking. Yeah, in the book they describe when the wolves morph, um, they rip their clothes because you know, like Incredible Hulk yeah, style. Yeah, well, it's something that like they didn't have to like. They could have just like let him be like Book Jacob, you know, in all these ways, and it would have been fine. Yeah. And you would have been maybe a better counter to Edward, who's like always wearing like khakis or some shit. Well, and this gets into having a couple, having four different directors come through because if you notice in the first couple, they kind of stay true to that, especially in New Moon when he morphs, his clothes rip off of him. Yeah. In the last couple, they kind of change it so that the wolves' clothes don't, they just kind of morph and their clothes are still there kind of thing, like on them. Yeah, just magically. Yeah, so they do. Well, I mean, that's the second part too, like the, those like wolf boys like have that fight and then they reappear at emily's house and they're like back in their jean short it's like they just have an endless supply of jean shorts and meyer makes a point that they have to carry like their pants tied up on the back of their leg or something as like a wolf form that jacob chooses to do that because he says it's easier yeah and like we're already in a magic world right we're in a magic world where these humans can turn into wolves that we don't need to explain the clothes like it just doesn't need to happen so i see i'm fine with explaining the clothes i'm fine with it i think that we can explain the clothes yeah and what's annoying is when bella starts explaining her clothes and i'm like this doesn't Uh this doesn't need to happen bella cares about clothes all of a sudden now that she's a vampire and there were a few nice just fantasy dress up yeah, and there were a few nice a scallop satin dress with a v-neck and a little yeah. bow. I, like I don't fucking know. I will it was say just, it was fun. in the second movie when she's supposed to be a vampire and like got very like you know both supposed to be gorgeous. They do let Stuart shine a little bit because they try to stop making her look ugly. Yeah. Oh god, they did. They made her look so ugly in the first one. When she's pregnant, I mean, yeah. Yeah. At least they like let her be gross when she was pregnant. Yeah. Little nice touches that I noticed when I was watching this. So this just goes to like Melissa Rosenberg's skill as a screenwriter. Where she like the little touch where Charlie's at the wedding and he sees the graduation caps, like all the graduation caps on like the artwork. And it's just which the, is a weird thing to have by the like yeah but it makes sense in terms of like how many times these kids had to graduate high school yeah. essentially and then like you know it, it shows charlie being a little suspicious without giving away too much and like having him be more than he is in the book but it adds a little bit of depth to charlie where he's just like those graduation caps like why are there so many like kind of thing and then his, you know, ex-wife or whatever, her mother is like, oh, that, that's so creative. It's neat, isn't it? That they just kind of dismiss it. But then they just it's just enough. So it's like a couple seconds that was written into the script that isn't in the book. And, like, it just shows us just a little bit of Charlie being a little suspicious about what's going on here. And I was like, oh, that's a great little pro writer move right there. <laughs> like, great. Same yeah. with the flashing of Lo- Back to Lorraine. Right? Or Lorraine? Lorraine? 
I guess it's supposed to be French. Yeah. Uh, as a reminder, because that was needed. Because I completely forgot that Irina liked Lorraine or whatever for like a couple months while Laurent. he lived. Yeah, whenever he I've been fu- calling him Lorraine. Whenever he lived there. It's just, it, we needed to be reminded that this mattered at all because Irina doesn't fucking matter. And we've already forgotten her motivation for even telling on the Cullens, like, because she didn't matter at all. She didn't matter fucking at all. It's a piece of dialogue that Lorenz says before they fucking kill him in the in the, in the new it's moon. It's just like, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just, just a reason for Irina to die. Yeah. And it just, yeah. And we talked about the wedding speeches. Oof. Anna Kendrick playing Jessica. Did we talk about this at all? Probably. What do we think? Like I mean I mean, Jessica's such an annoying character anyway who has no role at all in the last book. But I just didn't care. I mean she plays annoying fine. She did the job. She's not how I pictured her, but it's fine. It's funny when I was watching that first, like my wife, I watched them back to back. So my wife was kind of watching the first one with me. And then by the time I put the second one on, she kind of just like left the room, like wandered, like, you know, but like at, at one point, um, what it was right in the beginning. Cause I guess the speeches are in like the first 20 minutes and like Anna Kendrick was doing her little speech as Jessica. And my wife turned to me and she's just like, I don't know what it is about that actress, but something just makes me hate her. Like, I don't know if she's just really good at I playing that. that annoying girl or if she actually is just that annoying. Yeah. You know? She's also got those pointy features. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. Do it for me. Honestly, I didn't even recognize that that was Anna Kendrick at first. Oh, I did. I, I didn't. I guess because she was so much younger than like. A lot of weird, weird moments in this movie. Being like, "Oh, Rami Malek's here." Yeah, dude, Rami Malek <laughs> playing like that gay oh, vampire. The ice truck killer from Dexter's here. Yeah. I don't even know his name because he doesn't matter, and that makes more sense. The guy that plays Garrett. I don't even. Uh, yeah, whoever the fuck that guy is. Because he he was the guy in in. in... The Patriot guy. Mm, the guy no, who no. makes the Beatles joke. I can't remember which one's He's like the revolutionary war guy. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the longish hair. He's like, ugh, I don't give a fuck. And he falls in love with that other vampire. He's like, I'll follow you anywhere, woman. Yeah. Is that who we're talking about? I can't remember because there are two guys. I, don't, I can't remember. There are too fucking many of them and I don't There care. are two like male loner vampires. There are like 18 vampires yeah. we're supposed to remember. I don't care. Yeah, dude, Jacob Jacob has a little goatee when he crashes the wedding in that first one, part one, because he's supposed to be, like, in the woods for months or whatever, so he has a little scruff. He's, like, unshaven, yeah. except he can't grow a beard, so it doesn't matter. Which, hey, I feel, you know, I can't grow a beard myself, like, but the it fact that they tried to have him, like, kind of... Yeah, I, should, I mean, yeah, why bother? Yeah. He also, like, his hair is normal, like... And- just the whole There's Bella. A lot of... Maybe it's because Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson were fucking during the filming of these movies that like they have a bunch of chemistry. Maybe because there's like a lot of bad casting, and also neither of them is a very good actor at this stage in their career. Yeah. And maybe it's just the script. Maybe it's like the source material. But maybe it's... it's that Kristen Stewart is always like staring with her mouth slightly open. Yeah, and. 
it just always is unearned. And I think it does have a lot to do with, like you said, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Lautner is a bad actor. So it's always very awkward when Bella and Jacob are together. And the just like miscast miscast but it's also like, like there's there's parts missing and okay in fiction we can always leave parts out and stuff but there's 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 parts missing so there's the f- too much of his character missing because yeah. he was the only one that was a real character and the only one that was like uh, you know openly hostile to the idea of her getting married the idea of her being with edward all of that like and, and and then at the wedding scene there, he's just, and you know, it was bad in the book, but like, it's just so awkward when they did it on screen that, and I think it does have to do with Lautner being kind of a terrible actor, not very charismatic, all that kind of stuff. It just, it's just so awkward and unearned that I don't believe any of it. Same thing with like, you know, I mentioned this when we talked about well, cause it. Well, because there's just, there's <clears throat> no chemistry between him and Kristen Stewart. And also like, she just feels older than him. And I don't know if that's like a you know because girls tend to at that age. Well, she's supposed to be older but, than him in the series, yeah. by only like two years or something, though. Yeah, but at that point, it's also like enough to make a difference. Yeah, yeah, and it just it's just never earned at all. Like it just feels awkward and sloppy, and again, poorly written. And I I feel because like I don't want to put that on like you know Melissa Rosenberg's shoulders too because I mean if you know anything about movie making, I mean, sure. The screenwriter will write the script for their fee. They'll get their little percentage. There wasn't a lot happening in the book. Like that. So she didn't have a lot to work with, but then also, you know, once you handed that script, they decided to make it to, to make it into two movies. Like I get that it's a long book, but right. do we need two movies? Well, that's just a Probably money not. grab. Yeah. But, you know, and then once you hand in that script, right, you don't have a lot to say after that. You hand in the script, and if they need a rewrite, they'll contact you. But, like, usually then it's, like, in the director's hands, and they can cut whatever they want. The studio can cut whatever they want. They can change whatever they want type thing because they bought it. It also doesn't matter because this movie never – these movies never needed to be good. They needed to be good enough for fans. Yeah, and I think – I mean, they clearly did that because they all made a fuckload of money. That's why they yeah. cut it into two parts. So like, well, why not make five movies? Can we talk about the CGI baby? Oh, yeah, dude. I put that in my notes. <laughs> dude, that creepy fucking baby. And, and the like, movie. The first time we see it, it's creepy as shit. You're, you can tell that it was made on a computer and you were just like, oh, my God, why did they do this? Like, they could have just slapped any baby in there and it would have been fine. <laughs> Like, they didn't have to make it some special CGI baby. I don't even understand, like, why they chose to do that. And Instead of, like... Putting a real like, baby. just putting a little bit of makeup on a baby. Yeah. And, uh... Oh, God, dude, that's CGI baby. Yeah, dude. <laughs> In the first part that they do, they cut out the please bang my wife part. They cut that out of the, uh, the movie. I know. Yeah. I was explaining it still. Yeah. I was trying to to Bill. I was like, so this is the part where Edward's supposed to be asking Jacob to beg Bella to fuck him instead so that have his babies. Wolf babies. (laughs) Have his fucking babies, dude. Dude, and that's what I noticed too, because like when the wolves are talking on the beach when like Jacob runs away from the pack. I was like, man, the wolves talking are, it's like Chronicles of, my wife is like, Chronicles of Narnia, it's Jesus. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot about this movie. Like, the second movie was really funny for me. 
also. Uh, dude, there were like so many Bella parts. Like when climbing up the cliff. Dude, when she's... Bella's like climbing up a cliff face, just like... When she's punching... <laughs> like a fucking spider. When she's punching that rock, and it's like disintegrating, and she's like doing like karate on this, and she's just kind of... And Kristen Stewart plays it so bad. Like there's like... She's like smiling, and like... it. The CGI is bad too. And, you know, let's... This was a big budget movie, but it was also like CGI. Just it wasn't quite what it is today. Like what we're used to seeing CGI look like today. Yeah, we were. I was like, huh? Yeah. Girls don't care about special effects, do they? This was this was right before. Oh. Right before we started. Dude, this was after Lord of the Rings. Like no excuses. Yes. But Lord of the Rings, also, this was before we started filming movies on complete green screens, like they do with the Marvel movies now, right? Where everything's a green screen, it's like a huge amphitheater that's covered in green screens, and they get to like, this is how they filmed Game of Thrones and stuff when they needed this, like, it, we just weren't, it was like a couple years away from that becoming the norm yeah. to make fantasy features where you need a lot of CGI. So like, the CGI looks bad against the the traditional film because it's just not quite there yet like we were still like at that point animatronics still looked better than cgi even if you watch lord of the rings like the old lord of the rings do the cgi stuff like it doesn't look good but if you watch the new hobbit stuff like the cgi looks fucking great because it was made a couple years ago like that the computer tech just wasn't there yet like the filming tech like the digital yeah. film like it just wasn't there yet there was a lot but it was but very yeah, bad this... It was Chronicles it was of Narnia bad. bad. Like, the way they have the wolves yeah. talk. All of that. Oh, you know what I loved? I loved that in the first movie, um, Robert Pattinson really had, like, the vibe and cadence of, like, a younger, less likable Christopher Walken. I didn't pick up on that. Oh, man. I mean, just... Well, it's just because... Both him and Kristen Stewart do, were doing, like, this weird, slow-speaking thing. Especially Kristen Stewart. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. They both had, like, their only sort of move was <coughs> squinting their eyes, opening their mouths a little bit, and, like, talking slowly. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah, I didn't pick up on that, but when you texted me that, I was like, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Christopher Walken. Uh, it's just the cadence. Yeah, no, not here. What do you mean? Yeah. You're going to have the baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. I always just think of Christopher, whenever somebody... At some point, they start yelling about the fetus. Yeah, whenever somebody brings up Christopher Walken, I always think of joe dirt i like just always think of christopher walken and joe dirt playing clem the janitor like <laughs> Bumper poop. yeah and just like his like just he has the best scenes in that movie with him i could just <laughs> it's just all fucking hilarious when he's like in the witness protection program or whatever like, that's my wife um... is this your wife or some ex-wife she was shot six times new york city <laughs> I mean Kansas. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, he's like lying about where he's from. He's like, Clem, are you from around here? Because your accent sounded like New York or something. He's like, no, from here, born and raised. No, not here, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's just like Christopher Walken, the cadence just makes it so much funnier. But yeah, man, the movies, all of the movies in general, now that we're at the end of this, like we've watched all of them, they all have more werewolf versus vampire than any of the books. Like they show yeah, battles, they show the tension. Yeah, they show there's the... more vampire versus werewolf fighting that happens, right. which is, you know, fun, but like it doesn't, it doesn't actually feel like it adds anything. Dude, um, and then Bella tackling that mountain lion in the beginning of part two, yeah. where she like wraps was... her arms around it in that dress, and that CGI mountain lion, and then we get the CGI baby just like kind of sitting there, and they're like yeah. passing around this fake baby. That, oh, like... doesn't the score just make you want to die? Also, yeah, dude, the way they all stare at the baby, and like at one point the baby is playing like piano next to Edward. And they're all just like staring, like big eyed and smiling at this baby. She's like, dude, this is creepy as shit. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> the baby. I was like, what? For as high a budget as this movie was, how many millions do you think they spent to make a CGI baby? Because I get that the baby's supposed to be special and maybe more. I mean, calm. it was bad. It was such a bad CGI baby yeah. that I have to believe they did not spend a lot of money. It looked terrible. But I feel like you could save even so more if you just put a real baby in there. Like Yeah, no shit. And it only needs to be a baby for like a couple scenes. So you just it need a baby matter. to yeah. sit in blankets in somebody's arms and be quiet while they film for a couple minutes. Like it's literally not a, people do that all the time. We've been doing this in movies since movies existed. Yeah. But for some reason when they Bill, chose Yeah. When Bill found out the pregnancy storyline. And when I told him that Stephanie Meyer was Mormon, he was like, oh, there's a lot of weird psychology behind this. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude. But yeah, this, the um, first movie was like so boring and so dumb. Very, very boring. And The I'm... only thing they did well was make Bella look gross right. and creepy and dead. They do have the great abortion debate. <laughs> about whether it's a fetus or a child or yeah baby. oh god dude i didn't even make that connection but yeah that that's don't call it an it yeah yeah god, just yeah. say it it's yeah. a baby okay not a fetus but everyone's yelling fetus the fetus it's gonna kill her and then they show that vampire fucking in the part two Oh, yeah. Where Edward's like, well, now you have to be the one careful not to hurt me. Yeah. Don't hurt me. I'm delicate. <laughs> I'm delicate compared to a baby vamp. Uh, but I, I'll, and we said this already, but like, I liked the second movie better. Why did I like it better? Because oh, yeah. one, oh shit, dude, I could have just been like at a point where like I've been watching this for like four hours of Twilight where I, my, my brain went numb. So I just liked the second movie better. But I would argue that it's because Rosenberg, with the script, she uses kind of a, a, a normal kind of suspense movie formula. So she introduces the Volturi at the very beginning of Breaking Dawn Part 2, right? Where we have Irina telling the Volturi to make that, like, set up this kind of, like, menacing, this is dangerous, right? Like something we don't get in the novel until very 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 way 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 back at the in the back sections of it 
So it sets up the tension immediately with kind of, they show Irina telling the Volturi, which they don't show in the novel. And it, when we kind of get the, the gears in motion of like, okay, there's this force of vampires coming after them. And it just sets it up with more tension than you would in the, than the novel certainly has, but just kind of like a typical kind of suspense formula for a thriller or a movie or an action movie or something. Right. And, uh, I think that just, it works. Again, having the screenwriter adapt it, take this kind of barren material and try to do what she could with it. I think Rosenberg did all she could, is what I'm saying. Like, Cuts a lot of fat. There's no shit about right. sparkling vampires. Yeah. No one glitters in this movie. Yeah. And then Rami Malik shows up. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is Rami Malik before pre-Emmy, pre-Academy Award. Nobody knew who he was. This was... This movie, they were filmed. Mr. Robot, just Rami Malik, just hanging out, being a vampire. His pre-Emmy, pre-Oscar, and like it, it, and I guess these were filmed in like probably 2010. I would assume the movies were filmed. Then they released them in 2011, 2012. And I think Rami Malik didn't get his break till yeah, Mr. Robot, and that was like what 2015. So like right after that, when he got his big break. Also, does Edward have a New York accent in all of the movies, or just this last one? Oh, God. I don't know. I didn't even pay attention to the accents, dude. Oh, my God. It's great. I'm like, yeah, more of that. But, like, yeah, I'm sure it's... it's. There was actually a whole debate I saw recently, like, people just, like, saying that, like, the California accent is the American accent or something that, like, actors imitate because... When actors are like, do an American accent, they do a California one. Not New York or anything, or, you know, Baltimore, like our accent. Yeah. Or they do. I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. The Mid-Atlantic accent has been hot lately. Well, it is hot because it's a hard one to do, and usually people screw it up. The worst one I ever heard was Travolta in Hairspray. Yeah, That's, I mean, he didn't. He, he had no. I think he'd never heard any. I got it. He just had no idea how to do a Baltimore. But I mean, it's, it's not hard it's for me. Good. But it's also like I grew up around guys talking like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> so my brother and I'll do like you know the Glen Burnie kind of the yeah. the East Baltimore like the kind of East Baltimore is my favorite. Oh, how about them? Huh? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I love it every Spurs time says yeah, it. Yeah, you go up with Spurs Point. Yeah, but uh, it's just easier for me, I guess, because I just grew up around it, so I just hear it all the time. But, yeah, I mean, dude, my wife makes fun of me for my Baltimore. Like, if I say certain words, it's usually yeah, my good. O's and my A's, and then she'll be like, oh, my yeah, God. Good. Which is funny because... Yeah, Bill says bagel weird as shit. Yeah, but the thing is, like, he it is... Hear it. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. I don't know where these accents come from, but it's like, whatever. My notes, Stuart looks even hotter in this one, in part two, because she's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, but she's, she's crazy skinny for the for a lot of it, right. I thought. Well, when I always say Kristen Stuart is, like, beautiful, I'm not necessarily referring to, like, her bodily features. No, she's got, right. like, her... She, yeah, she's not that they're bad. Yeah, not that they're bad, but they're not like she's not known for having this very curvy or anything. She just has a beautiful. Well, it's not that she's curvy. I was just like, oh shit, like 
she okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like eating disorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, but like also for, you know, for the first half of Breaking Dawn, at least in the first movie, it's supposed to be like, I mean, they went out of their way to make her look like skeletal. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that works with the plot, right. yeah. But if, um, and I, maybe it was just because they this is the first time that they showed Bella not wearing jeans and a baggy sweatshirt. Yeah. So maybe that's why I was like, damn, they just made her. And I know she's supposed to be. So she's a vampire now in part two. So she's supposed to be like more beautiful than she ever was. And whatever. She's a good enough. She's an attractive enough actress that she can make that work a lot. I was just like, damn, she's Stuart's looking great in these movies. <laughs> like, much better than in any of the previous ones. But whatever. Uh, I also got very Justice League vibes from like the vampire assembly like calling yeah. all vampires type thing like we have to unite to save the world and one yeah, of my... they all have superpowers yeah 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 and we all had to learn their superpowers and origin stories and stuff and they were all yeah except we didn't like keep track of any of them or we didn't and they don't matter just we just knew that someone around has this particular power and but, like whatever but also it like it doesn't matter that made the movie a little more compelling for me, like the part two, at least, because it was this yeah. kind of, well, we got to get the gang together to fight the evil. And well, I was like, well, you know Whoa. what made it more compelling? There's one thing that made the movie far more compelling than the book. What? We both know the answer. Carlisle. <laughs> no. Carlisle. <laughs> the first movie yeah. it's great Carla. yeah dude but i my question for that is what is it about like heroes teaming up that we kind of love or i found intriguing or like in stories right this is the whole appeal of the marvel movies right like the avengers the justice leagues and uh, well the appeal of like the avengers and the justice league shit is like the clashing of universes. Well, well I mean, I, I mean, universe, but like bringing together, it's like exciting to see right. all of these characters in the same place. And I think that's a lot of what fuels that. I right. think with this, it was like, I don't know. This didn't really excite me. It just felt like, oh, we're doing the moral thing. Yeah, it was just we're like. We're saving our kind. <clears throat> we're standing together, you know. And the reason I called this formulaic, and I, I agree with you, yeah, okay, so it's the it's it's not so much the gathering, but like that's a huge part. And I don't mean so much in terms of plot, I just mean in terms of like story device. So like when you're telling a story where it's like a bunch of people have to team up to do something together, and maybe they don't quite like each other, maybe they don't, you know, whatever. Yeah, because it, it adds tension. Right. And it also this... makes for an even fight, so maybe you're not sure what's going to happen. Right. I don't fucking know. And for some reason, I just enjoyed that more. Dude, I don't know what... Like, I don't know if I was just past the point. Like, my brain had smoothed over yeah, by that point. Yeah, you were past point. the point of no return. Yeah. I didn't care, but I think you were just like, oh, well, something's happening, and it's something other than just Bella. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh... But in the movie, the important thing that happens is... So when Alice comes to save the day. Did you see the uh, the Tennyson nod in part two? They like throw Tennyson, a little nod to Tennyson in there. Well, yeah, he's in the book in part two, right? Like she yeah, reads yeah. Tennyson to the movie. Right, but I just mean it was a nice little touch. And she's like, oh, well, this is what she prefers. It was a nice little touch, I thought. 
Yeah. Dude, I'm all for, I mean, you know, we talked about this with King. We talked about this on all four of these Twilight episodes. Those are only pop books we've done so far, but it's like, you know, I'm okay, right? It's nothing wrong with a writer putting in like some great literary figure. But I don't know why it was just like, it could have been cut out because it doesn't really matter, but I just appreciated that they took the time to take that couple seconds and show Bella reading some Tennyson to her womb, you know, her baby inside of her kind of thing. I was like, all right, I'll take that as a little nod to the novel. Like I said, maybe my mood while watching the second one, I was just so glazed over that I was just being less harsh on it. You're just, no, I think you were like elated. You were just ready to be done. You're like, everything, everyone gets an A. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, everyone gets an A. (laughs) You all did great. Yeah, good job, everybody. End of the school year, yeah. Yeah, but they give us a fight in the movie, dude. Dude, yeah. And, like, the first five minutes that the fight is happening, I'm just like, okay, when are they going to pull back on me? Dude, I was, and I I didn't want to text this about you because I finished this, like, a week before you did, but I didn't want to give that up to you yet. I wanted you to experience that untainted. Because I was looking for it. I was like, give me, all right, it's a debate. Come on. Let me just, let me just read you my notes as that was happening, right? (laughs) <laughs> all right I, I the last thing i wrote after that i was like all right why is emily not a part of the series at all seems like a huge miss and i've already talked about that but then the scene with alice talking to aro alice throwing a kick lol jesus carlisle fighting and dying and i put exclamation points up with jasper dead and then i was like and then then my note is this better not be a dream and then and then i was like god damn it fucking dream bullshit <laughs> Yeah, those were my sequence of notes as that scene was. Dude, unfolding. when Aro does that crazy laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aro does that crazy laugh when he meets Renesme. But yeah, um, mine were like, "Oh shit, oh shit!" Alice tells Bella to tell Jake and R Renesme to run, and Alice starts fighting. Oh shit, Carlisle's dead. Jabate? Oh, they're fighting. Jabate? Yeah. <laughs> and then there's no notes after that until like the very end it was intense because i was just like oh my god like wolves are dying like jacob taking off are dying left and right and jacob taking off with the kid on his shoulders like that was great i was like oh because that's what the story desperately needed we needed the showdown. It was all leading to this showdown between the we good. We needed Carlisle to die. Yeah, we needed Carlisle to get his head ripped off. Is what we needed. Yeah. But yeah, and then it's all a dream. Well, not a dream. It's all a vision. A possible that future. Yeah. Showing to Aro to be like, see, you're not gonna win. We'll both lose, and that's what pissed me off about. We talked about this already. So the ending of the talking resolution in the novel, where they right, just but... talk and it ends. Yes. So it was almost, and you and I talked about this via text a little bit, it was very cathartic to see Carlisle get his head ripped off. Like, it was shocking, and I was like, oh my god, are they doing this? Like, oh. And then, it, like you said, it kept like, going. No, not Carlisle, but, like, it was good, right? Right. Like, you were like, this is a good thing that's happening. Right. And I felt the same Exciting. thing as you, where as soon as I saw but Carlisle's... I also, I also was like, I was deep down, I was like, yeah, they're not doing this. They're not right. doing this. Right. There's there was... no... And I went through those motions, like you said, where it was like, at first, I was kind of just shocked for shock's sake. Like, oh, that's not in the book. Like, this isn't what's supposed to happen type thing. But then, 
And I was like, okay, this is going to be a stupid dream or a vision or something. And then it kept going for like 10, 15 minutes. And then I got the same yeah, thing you said. Yeah, it's a huge scene. Yeah, it's a you're huge, like, okay. long fucking scene. And then I was like, okay, they're doing this. Let's fucking go. And you're like, like into it. Yeah, I'm like, let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah, like, this is dude. what we needed. Everyone's dying. Yeah. Feels like we're finally getting ours. And at first I thought it was real too because Bella and Edward weren't dying and the baby wasn't dying. So I was like, that's really what matters is that Edward and Bella are still together with the baby at right. the end. I was like, oh shit. So like, I was like, oh shit. I was like, oh shit, did they really do this? But right. either way, even though it was like a whole dumb thing, it was, they still, it still needed to happen. And I appreciate that it happened because, oh my God, if we got there and that did not happen and they just all turned around and left, which is what happens in the book. Right. Like they yeah, stay yeah, and yeah. talk there for a long time. And we have to call our but witnesses forth one by speaking. one. Yeah, and they all give fucking speeches. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I appreciated that they understood that they needed something to actually happen in this movie. Right. And there needed so to be a even climax. though nothing actually happens, they let it they showed it to us anyway. And I always bring up the Potter comparison. This is what poppin' like this is the end of Potter, right? Like the the fucking battle. The fucking battle at Hogwarts and shit. And, and whatever, battle. they screwed it up in the Ooh. movies. We'll get there when we get to those books and movies when we do those eventually, listeners. <laughs> but, like, it just, you you need to have that. Like you, they, Everything's been building to this point where they're bucking all the problems. Bella and Edward end up together, and now we have this last little stand between the Volturi and the rest of the, the Cullen Coven. And it just... And the fact that it all worked out perfectly, that all these vampires are living here and they don't kill anybody and there is no suspicion and they're all just cooperating perfectly, even though they've never done this before. It was just, we needed that. We needed fucking chaos. And I yeah. personally wish that they didn't make it just division, that they just. Oh, yeah, that but... would have been great, but that never would have been. Yeah the you know the fans would not have been cool with that yeah. they wanted the happy ending and when you and i were texting about this that's the point you made yeah that like the fans would have been furious and like people would have been calling to boycott like the studios or whatever that made and they would have been furious that carlisle got his head ripped off um yeah like imagine that dumbledore didn't die in the books and then they killed him in the movies yeah. it'd be like that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Stupid talking resolution, dude. Stupid talking. Yeah. Holy shit. And then finally, we get Jake turning to Ed and saying, should I call you dad? <laughs> so, uh, should I start calling you dad? <laughs> it's not like that, okay? Really. <laughs> should I start calling you dad? Now that your daughter is progressively... Wanna... It's like by the end of the year, she'll be 18. By the end of the month, she'll be 18. So. She'll be fully grown. Yeah. <laughs> she just has to reach seven years old and she'll be fully grown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. According to the lore. That too, the way they kind of, and this is the book and the movie, the way that they parade that kind of, yeah, the, the, the Amazon half vampire, half human guy out. It just, it's not enough. Yeah, like I everything else, it's unearned. That. It's an unearned move. Yeah, it. It's, I mean, it was unearned in the book also. Right, that's amazing. But it doesn't matter because we, you know, all they needed was a resolution. Like, no one read the book for the actual fight. 
but by this point you're just like reading the book for the happily ever after just because there's no romantic tension anymore right which is what the book started as or what the series started as i keep calling it the book yeah dude it's it's it, it yeah it's whatever i'd like i said at the very beginning of this once the credits started rolling on the final part two breaking down part two I just felt such a sense of relief. <laughs> like I felt such a sense of like, oh, I'm done with Twilight. <laughs> I'm done with this. Like I'm finally finished. Yeah, like I don't ever have to look at this again. It's over. We're done. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, my last question, as always, when we do these book first movies, you know, book or movie. Movie. Uh, part two or. I mean, I feel like at least in the movies, it just condenses it all. Right. It takes the essential elements and boils it down because nothing exciting happens. And at least in the movie, when they have sex, I get to kind of see it. Right. Right. I have a weird answer for this one. I, I liked Jacob's section. Right. So with the exception of that, but like... But yeah, I could be probably I, in this instance. I might go movie, even though, I, and I do think right. like the part one was really bad. Yeah. But I, I'm still going movie. I'm going. I'm going movie. I've locked in my answer. Good movie, both parts. Yeah, I have a stupidly specific uh, answer to that one for this question. For this, for Breaking Dawn, and then the two movies, part one, part two, part one. The book, the first half of the book is better than the movie for part one. And then part two, the movie's better than the book. Uh, so that would be yeah. my thing, which is kind I mean, of a cop out. Kind, yeah. Kind, and I see it's kind I, of a. If I had to pick one or the other, if I couldn't pick. Right. If I couldn't do it that way, you know. Yeah. Gun to the head. I'm, I'm going. I'm yeah. going movie. Yeah. <clears throat> and, All and, right. Which is rare because as we've talked about to improve these books, you didn't have to do much, but usually the movie is never as good as the book. But in this case, most of the movies were better than the books. <laughs> like kind of thing. I, I still go for the book over the movie for the first, at least the first couple. Right. Fuck. This is the end of our twilight series. There it is. <laughs> the poster, the anime poster. Edward and Bella. I like that that poster. I guess this book technically dropped before the first movie did. So I think the first movie came out in 2008, same year that this final book dropped. So I like that the anime poster is not just copying Christian Stewart and Robert Pattinson's look for the characters. But it's a dumb poster. Dumb, dumb fucking poster. Oh, man, it's over. Yeah, I'll still forever have this DVD, I guess, that came with the book. We'll have to pop that in and do, like, a watch party or something, dude. Like, we'll have to just see it. Oh, find a DVD player. That's right, you don't own a DVD player. I guess, well, I have a PlayStation. Yeah, dude, that counts. Probably pop it in there. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've never opened this. It's probably still in perfect condition. That's good, dude. That's good, damn. I, fuck. Anyway, that's it. This is the final fucking chapter of the uh, the Twilight Saga for Heavy Board. I guess 
if any listeners let us know we're gonna we plan to do this with other books other book series kind of fantasy series like this so let us know if you like this shit (laughs) if this is uh anything worthwhile i can't even see bullshit that it comes with oh god it came with a whole bunch of stuff concert breaking down concert series the shit i didn't know was back here and i was surprised that there was not more muse considering that meyer thanks muse in every acknowledgement section for every for the last three books yeah you kind of expect i mean but dude do you though like the score was bad i wrote god i fucking hate the score so much every like i don't know every couple pages of my notes for the movies it's like every other page yeah this fucking score I didn't know most of the music because I, it was like a very specific type of like 2011. Well, they they indie. just really leaned into the song that was supposed to be at like Bella's lullaby. Yeah, that's, that they um, used, and yeah, there was this really particular brand of indie. Yeah, and that I, kept happening. I like indie rock listeners, but I was not it. Like, no, my, this was like this was very like romance novel indie this yeah. was like what i listened to that i didn't tell people about because it wasn't cool like um my wife knew it more than i did where that wedding scene right because she listened to it yeah and she didn't tell anybody because it wasn't uh, cool i don't know because it was like indie music but like for girls it was <clears throat> during the wedding scene when they were playing the music. My my wife was like, "Oof, this Iron and Wine song," and I was like, "Oh, that's who it is." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." I never liked them. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was very two thousand eight. Very yeah, it's a very kind of soft indie rock that was like a thing then, coming out of the emo era, and then I like indie rock. Yeah. Like I said, I just never into that type. I never liked everyone who like came out of like the Coldplay era. Yeah like mellow indie yeah yeah, i've never been a fan of that no but yeah whatever what can you do all right is that it dude anything else did we hit everything you wanted yeah i mean i i already said it's the best um it's you know still the best abstinence themed romance series I know of personally Uh, and I'm changing all of my former opinions you know pro-life pro-child marriage (laughs) Um, so kudos Stephanie Meyer so you're saying so you're saying this is a propaganda book (laughs) it's all there like I'm not saying it is but like you know, it's all there. Propaganda for the Mormon Church. You it, it doesn't have to be propaganda. It could just be you know what she's into, yeah. which happens to be, you know, not aborting the fetus. <laughs> what are your final thoughts? Mm. You just read three long ass vampire romance novels written for teenage girls. Yeah. I mean, my, I'm glad it's over. I, I wasn't a big fan of any of these. There were moments I think of great, of good stuff, but I would never say great, I guess, but 
moments of good stuff and yeah i'm glad i never have to read these again but <laughs> and this isn't something that i would like seek out and want to read again i mean this isn't something i would seek out if we ever if we if we didn't have a fucking podcast that we were going to read these books i never would have read them there is part of me that's like a little bit sad that it's over yeah even after that whole slogging through half of the book like i'm a little like oh it's over right. i don't know i don't know if it's just like a series ending thing or if it because it touched something in my insecure soul or what I was not sad it was over. I was relieved <laughs> entirely that it was done, uh, especially after that last 300 pages where we just get uh, a long way to end up where we were in Chapter 21. I just, yeah, pissed me off more than most pop books. Like I try to be forgiving of pop books, but it just some of these things were so egregious that it really blows my mind what we can what gets published why i really don't understand it at all and people claim that it's subjective and i was like yeah well if it's subjective then somehow all the gatekeepers seem to have terrible taste <laughs> like i just don't Dude, like vampires were so hot in this moment they were fantasy was like i don't know I mean, I assume fantasy was always kind of hot, but, like, it was having a moment post-Harry Potter. Well... And it was also, like, I don't know, maybe it was, like, kind of new to have, like, essentially a romance novel for teens. Which is why it's okay that it's, like, pro-abstinence and, like, pro-choice, essentially. Yeah, I don't know enough about it, but, I mean, I guess I would say the young adult stuff really started to happen, right? Like in the late late eighties, early nineties, when there started to be like a straight up like young adult genre, where you could have these kind of fantasy series. Yeah, but does young adult necessarily like to me? This was like a romance. Like this wasn't just. Right. I mean, I guess it is. It's just young adult. Right. Yeah. But. We can debate about what genre it is another day. Yeah. It was it was nothing but relief when this was done, yeah. I'm relieved it's over now, honestly. And we can move on. And, like, there are part of me I texted you about I'm this. relieved to be done with, like, Kristen Stewart and Taylor Lautner. And I am so ready to go rewatch the king later and every little bit of robert pattinson that i can get my hands on to ride this out so if he's got a robert pattinson kick yeah dude total boner for robert pattinson yeah and he seems to be well, i guess stuart and him both have had careers after this which is unusual for two actors that got their start being typecast in these type of series yeah. but i think it's because this series yeah. didn't have such a lasting effect yeah, wasn't she doing shit before that, though? I mean, they both were. I think they both were getting, like, bit parts. But these were, like, their first big, like, they, you know, she was the female lead, he was the male lead. Like, that was their yeah, first big, yeah. like, starring, you know, fresh faces in this movie that was making off these hit books. And usually as an actor, you get pegged into that role, right? Like, like you know, it's just hard to get out of that once you've been pegged or typecast as, like, 
Yeah, he plays some weird roles. Yeah, so a lot of actors you see do that. Although will just still take, like yeah. an older man preying on younger women in at least one of these instances. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about Radcliffe, like, you know, he clearly, and again, he's not such a good actor, but he clearly was desperate for a while to do anything that would separate him from the Harry Potter character. Yeah, that's why he played Eccles. Yeah, that's why he was doing all kinds of weird shit, like doing kinds of like indie movies and like doing like full frontal nudity and plays and stuff in London and like just desperate to get away from that typecast of the boy who lived type thing. So I understand that, you know, like I understand that it's like an actor. You don't want to be stuck. You're trying to do more than just this one role you got cast in when you were 18. But and in Radcliffe's case, when he was like six or whatever, or like 10 years old or something like. But yeah, it's surprising that both that both Stuart and Pattinson are getting cast as male leads and female leads, you know, in all of in a bunch of movies. Oscar. I mean, you know, Stuart was just nominated for an Oscar for uh, Spencer. The Diana biopic. Really? Yeah, I mean, she didn't win. I mean, I didn't see the movie yet, but I will eventually. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I, she's not a strong enough actress to play that. And it came out right after The Crown had already done their Diana season. Yeah. And that actress that played Diana in that really kind of did it really well. <laughs> like, she crushed it. And uh, I just didn't see how Stork could compare with that. Like she just, it doesn't have the chops. This no name actress, like British actress just did it so much better than Stuart ever could. And I haven't even seen the movie and I already know that. So it makes sense that she didn't win, but whatever, you know, the nomination is what really matters for a lot of still. I mean, that's, you know, you don't see that happening with people that have been cast in that. So it is on you, you know, maybe it's because this thing, like I said, last episode, I don't think the series will be remembered. Like, I don't think, no, nah. In the last, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think it's going to be like a stain on either of their careers. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. And even if it is, I mean, I just mean the book. If anything, it just boosted them into the spotlight that much more. And they made a bunch of money. You know, everybody got rich making those movies. So, you know, why not? But yeah, I, I just, and we, we can get more into this. We will get more into this to be one of the reoccurring themes was on our podcast is just like, yeah, I mean, what makes something stand the test of time? What makes people want to, you know, why are we still obsessed with Lord of the Rings hundred years later? Why are we not obsessed well, helps with all the other ones? You don't have to explain the movie to your spouse because they haven't read the book. Yeah. That, well, that too. And I mean, if the books were better, if the books were more timeless, if the books were more anything, like, you know, if they, they're not going to hold up, like this is, we're, we're just 10 years removed from the last of it, from the end of the whole thing with the final movie coming out. And like, it already is dated. There are already like things that like don't hold up in like the movie and the books and all that, even 10 years later from when they were written and published. So is this going to last 20 years from now? Maybe people at our age that read them growing up will talk about them and laugh about them, whatever, at cocktail parties. But I don't think after our generation that this will be something people are, like, sharing with their kids and, like, you know, oh, let's let's go do this. Let's watch this. Like, uh, yeah, it's just not going to be something. At least that's my yeah. prediction. I don't know. I'm sure people would argue with that. Well, it's been three and a half hours of this. Yeah, we've made it. I knew this was going to be a long one, though, because the book was so long, and then it's two movies. And 
Too fucking heavy. Yeah, dude, too much. Too much Twilight. Too much Twilight. All right. Anything else you done? We covered it. I'm so fucking done. Yeah. All right. Reminders to listeners. Contact us. You can contact us at heavyboardpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to our Patreon to receive full uncensored episodes for subscribers only, including get access to our locked episodes. That is at patreon.com slash heavyboard. Check out our YouTube channels. Subscribe for more. Check out that. We have clips and links to all the books and everything we covered in the descriptions of this podcast and all those clip videos and YouTube videos, whatever you prefer. Uh, and then finally, listeners, we're black full circle. We're finally going to do next episode, Theory of the Lyric by Jonathan Culler. Very high-minded in terms of theory of the lyric. I'm looking forward to that book. And I think my brain is craving it, so... I'm craving substance. <laughs> I'm craving. I don't know if I am. I'm like, I'm ready to have more junk food. Yeah. I did read a Stephen King ready book right after gobble this, some so. trash. Yeah. But like good trash. So I, do. I just read Stephen King's JFK book right after this. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, good. That, was an, that was another long one, dude. That was like 800 pages. It flies though, because it's Stephen King, so it fucking flies. But yeah. That's it. That's it. This has been Heavy Board. Fucking it. (laughs) This has been Heavy Board. Heavy. Board. Heavy. I am heavy, heavy, heavy. Board. Sweats and the day sweats, pal. Pal, I do.